What is up, people? And thank you all for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We're talking NFL draft recap. Last week, we previewed the draft. This week, we'll be talking about all the results in the draft. And it was a pretty eventful weekend. Um, not only did you have, obviously, the team selecting the rookies for this upcoming season, but then you also had this mess of a situation going down in Green Bay with our, the reigning MVP franchise quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, now reportedly wanting out of Green Bay. So that's going to be uh, a lot to unpack. We got a lot to get to. We got some special guests on this show. So uh, I'm excited to do it. So let's get it started. So joining me first uh, is my usual co-host of Sports Talk, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, um, it wasn't necessarily the most uh, eventful draft for your Vikings uh, uh, this uh, <laughs> this past weekend, I think would say the least. Uh, what did you make of uh, what happened this, uh, this weekend? Oh man, you were talking about gut wrenching. Um, <laughs> if you listen, if you listen to the podcast last weekend um, or last week, uh, obviously I had mentioned that um, you know I was trying to yeah I was trying to speak it into existence that the Vikings would possibly land Justin Fields, um, and for like a good you know what forty five minutes I, or half hour however long it was, I was actually feeling pretty good about it mm-hmm. when Denver. Decided to go with Patrick Sertan inexplicably. Um, I I was at that point I was like, man, looking at all the teams available, if there's no trade up, Fields is going to be a Viking. Um, <laughs> and then that 11th pick came, um, really the 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 10th pick came where the Eagles trade up <laughs> with with uh, with the Cowboys. And, and my and, and when that happened, I was like, oh, this is cool. This has nothing to do with, with Justin Fields. <laughs> They're going to go and get. Uh, they're going to go and get. Devontae Smith, yeah. pick 11 comes. I'm like, all right, the Giants are going to draft the quarterback. Uh, the Cowboys aren't going to draft the quarterback, and the Chargers won't. So <laughs> it's great. The Vikings are going to get fields. And then Dave Gettleman, Mr. I'm never trading back ever in my uh, career as a GM, decides to trade back, and I see Bears trade uh, up to 12 and or 11. And yeah, 11. That was that. You know, and then the rest of the and look, I was glad we traded down. We'll talk about a little bit, a little bit of that later. But yeah, that was a that was a rough Thursday, and then <laughs> Friday got even tougher when we decided in the third round to make a make a quote unquote splash drafting Kellamon, which we'll talk about as well probably. But yeah, it was, overall, he said it was a rough weekend. But <laughs> uh, I would be way more excited to talk about teams like the Packers uh, <laughs> than yeah, I am yeah. to talk about yeah, the Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, yeah, you had a, a long weekend, but I think our our, our other co-host for today, a guest co-host for today, also had a pretty rough weekend. Shamari Stewart, uh, host of the Imperial Broadcast on New Generation Media, co-host of uh, New Generation Hero Talk, coming on and talk football. You know, if you guys have ever heard our draft shows in the past or some of our football shows in the past, you know Shamari is a diehard Packers fan. So Sham, I'm sure this whole situation with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, couldn't have been very comfortable for you this weekend either. It's funny. I'm, as a Jet fan, usually I'm the one who's constantly in a state of just like frustration, and <laughs> I'm watching you guys just panic, and I'm watching the Jets just do smart move after smart move, and I'm like, man, is this what it feels like? Because you had a long weekend as well, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been pretty. Uh, uh, it's been pretty rough. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It's been pretty rough. Um, Talk about a bombshell, by the way. You know, yeah, talk about a bombshell. I mean, look, I, I, 
course, I'm not I'm not in Green Bay, so I can't I'm not quite you know in tune with you know the quote unquote community uh, of Green Bay. But you kind of had a feeling since last year, since yeah. the love pick, right? You kind of had a feeling like what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Once that once that pick was made, and I'm not going to go into a whole rant about that because uh, that that was done last year. <laughs> right. But uh, but once that pick was made, you're just like, okay, what's going on? Are, are we like, right. why are we poking the bear? Right. Like, like what's Rogers didn't have a bad season. He didn't look like someone who was over the hill. He didn't look like someone that needed poking or prodding. And we dropped his, his replacement. And, you know, you start, you know, wondering like, and it's not even, it's funny. I was just talking kind of this uh, yesterday. It's not even like love is like a Justin Fields or, uh, or even a Zach Wilson or you know, whatever. He's a guy like, you don't know what you're getting with him. Right, and right. you draft him in the first round. I mean, what does that say about Rogers? Right. And he's probably yeah. <laughs> asking the same question. So it starts with that, and then you hear, and then there's there's the horrible, you know, you know, the front office the play calling decisions that they've made this year in the postseason. And, yeah, they have a field goal and yeah, late in the, in you know, the, the things are just you could tell you could just see Rogers on the bench or watching the game. He's just like you know, kind of just outside of himself, just not involved. He's, so as surprising as it was, as surprising, surprising as it, it was not surprising, <laughs> right. I was waiting for something like this. Kind of no, I've been complaining <laughs> about about the Packers. The management, yeah, I've been complaining about the Packers offseason, like management front office decisions for over a year. Honestly, just frequent complaints, you know, in this whole throughout this whole issue, people have been saying the Packers aren't bad. Why are you why are people mad at the Packers, their front office, the Packers are a good team. We should be better. I mean, that's that's kind of and that's what Rogers gripe is, is we should be better. There's no reason that we should not be better. And it's it's, you know, Rogers has a very good case in saying we should absolutely be better. Uh, it's it's not you know hard to imagine how we would be better, but no decisions were made so that we would be better. So we're just we're we've plateaued and, you know, picks were made this year, which we'll get into. Mm-hmm. But. You know, I, I can't blame him for, for being upset at that. But it's a whole mess. I'm not totally on anyone's side. I'm not totally on Rogers' side. I'm not totally on the Packers' front office's side. It's just a mess. So I kind of just want it to be over. Rogers ain't going to play. <laughs> <laughs> want us to move on. And we'll see what happens with love. And we'll, we'll, we'll just we'll, – we got to move on. But right, right, right. thing of just Rogers says he's never going to play, and, you know, it's like, oh, boy. All right. So that's yeah. where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's gotta be crazy. It's gotta be, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's gotta be. Uh, it's gotta be a. Uh, it's gotta be crazy to live through this almost really twice. You think about you know Brett Favre. Those, yeah, those circumstances right. were different, um, but nonetheless, you go through Brett Favre and his that guy, his successor, is not going through similar issues yeah. with the team. Um, it's Favre, certainly Favre was a trooper. Yeah, Favre wanted to play. That was his, he wanted to play, but he wanted nothing to do with any practicing or training camp or anything like that, and that caused problems. With the team there, so uh, we will talk more about Rogers in a second. But joining us also as a guest co-host today is none other than our draft guru friend himself, Rob DeRay. Rob, it's good to have you back on the podcast to talk NFL draft, and I'm sure this was a exciting weekend for you, given all that was going down. It was an okay. It's a, it's a weird year, man. I'm happy to be here, though. This is an exciting day, <laughs> much more exciting than the weekend that <laughs> okay i i, t- I take that w- what about the weekend do you feel like was then 
um, underwhelming if, if you hesitate to really kind of embrace that. Because you got, you know, QB turmoil in Green Bay, uh, the drama with the Niners. Like, uh, so, so what was, so, so, so why do you say maybe it wasn't as exciting as you would have hoped? I, I will amend the statement because, you know, I was a little busy right as the draft was starting, you know, in that like six to eight range. And I open up my phone and I'm like, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Bronco. And I'm like, and I was locked in for, for a while. And then kind of <laughs> after they, they picked Patrick Sertan and I'm like, oh, Rodgers, he's just going to be a Packer and they're going to lose in the NFC Championship again. Uh, I don't know. I felt like, felt like it let the air out of the room a little bit. So mm. it was a weird year for me. Uh, you know, weird, weird group of prospects where I felt like there was a lot of talent that we knew about and uh, – you know, not a lot of not a lot of sleepers, not a lot of guys that mm. I really loved or had a really great feel for you know, that that went later, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So but I'm yeah. sure we'll get to all of that. Yeah, that is interesting. because I do want to talk about the defensive guys because um, it took, you know, eight picks before we even saw a defender taken. And it feels like this year there really weren't any guys that were looked at as, you know, true blue chip type players you know you know maybe Sertan but like he he may be the only guy you know it's it was a a weird draft for defense for sure and um decided to talk about it all and Rob makes a good point there that you know not a lot of people really talked about during this draft because I mean nobody really nobody really talks about day three uh of, of the draft but um this was a this was not nearly as deep of a draft class because you saw so many guys decide to go back to college mm-hmm. um so when you're talking about the depth and you know were there a lot of sleepers or were there guys that you really liked you know as day three guys even sometimes in some cases day potential day two guys that decided to go back to to, to school you know and that now um those are guys that next year are hoping they can play themselves into day two guys or day one guys but uh, I think we're gonna, we we saw a uh, tougher a tougher crop of of day three guys in this year's draft. So um, it's not something a whole lot of people really pointed out, but I'm sure these teams were were all were equally up, uh, upset about that that fact. I yeah, I would agree as well. And then you got the guys who are you know sat out the season as well. Um, yeah, there were I think there were no HBCU guys drafted this year. Which yeah, you have so is, many FCS guys that are actually playing this season. Yeah, they're playing now, or were just just finished their seasons. Yeah, so this was you know obviously an unprecedented college football season, but I think it also made for, in some ways, a weird draft. But a draft that I think did have some intrigue, and I do want to before we get to some of those picks, just circle back on Rodgers real quick again. So again, uh, situation in Green Bay not very good. Aaron Rodgers says he wants out. Um. The word is he may, you know, he, he just has no intention of, of showing up. That the Packers right now, at least publicly, they're saying they're committed to Rodgers moving forward. But Rodgers doesn't seem to have any, any interest in playing for the Packers any longer. The relationship with the general manager uh, seems completely fractured. The report today is saying that, you know, Rodgers was telling teammates that, you know, uh, Brian uh, Gutquist was like his, his own uh, uh, Jerry Krause. You know, and if you watch the last dance with the Chicago Bulls, you'll know, you know, Jordan and Krause, let's just say they didn't see eye to eye, <laughs> to put it very mildly. So this doesn't seem like a very good situation. And I'll, I'll go to Rob first here. 
it feels like when we see these situations now with athletes, we you know, in the NBA for sure, but now we even see it in football now, where once a guy really puts his foot down and says, I'm not going to be here, it feels like they have way more power to, regardless of their contract situation, regardless of whether it makes sense for the team, they seem to be able to get themselves out of there. You know, it's rare to see a guy come in and play, you know, a full disgruntled season. But there are times we had guys playing on, you know, terrible franchise tags or one-year deals that were causing a huge fuss in the past and um, and made it hold out. But sometimes they would still come back after 10 weeks sometimes even. It seems like those days are starting to kind of end. With Rodgers, do you feel like it's inevitable that, that he's just gone? That, that there, you know, I don't think they, I don't think even if he comes back, they can fix the relationship. Do you think that it's even inevitable that there's no way he's coming back as a Packer? I tend to think that he'll probably, you know, be the starting quarterback for the Packers this year. Um, I, I just don't see, I, I don't know why it is, but I, I don't see them trading him, um, especially now after the draft, uh, you know, when they, they probably could have got the most value uh, for him. Um, the Packers have been totally just antagonistic towards Rodgers you know, especially with that Jordan Love, uh, A.J. Dillon draft. Um, but at this point, is he going to go to Denver? You know, what what can Denver really offer? Um, as far as I'm concerned, the Packers, if I'm the Packers, you like Jordan Love. You are, you know, winding out the clock on his rookie contract. Rodgers doesn't want to be there. Could you get two first rounders and a second rounder from the Raiders? give up Rodgers and take, you know, one of those picks and go and move Julio Jones. And all of a sudden you're starting to build around love. I think, you know, at this point, how much more are you going to piss off your, your star quarterback? But ultimately uh, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback for the Packers, unless he really has, you know, the stones to, to retire and, and host jeopardy or you know, hang out and do a podcast about, I don't know, whatever the heck he likes game of Thrones or civil war <laughs> books. I don't know. Yeah. It's um, Kendall. It, it is in some ways a weird predicament because, to me, you know, and I know Sham earlier. You know, he feels like you know it was very clear the Packers have underachieved as a front office, and because of that, the roster has suffered regardless of whatever sex they had. Hence, why Rogers wants out. And I'll be honest, I I I think I disagree. I think that well, here's what I'll say. I agree they've underachieved as a front office. That there's no question. Um uh they've drafted a lot of defense and then defensive guys they've some of the guys, some of the guys have played great. But you know, defense was their problem by the time we got to the conference championship game. So it's like what are all defensive picks worth if you can't, you know, get off the field uh on third down, you can't, you know, stop a touchdown at the end of the first half, you know. Like these moves that, you know, the devil's advocate for them drafting these other players were, hey, maybe we're not helping Rod Aaron directly, but indirectly, you know, giving him a strong defense will help him. It didn't seem, that hasn't seemed to be the case the last two years. They were routed by San Francisco because he couldn't stop the run. And then Brady uh, was bombed away um, against them in, in the conference change game, despite the turnovers that he had. So I, I so that that is all fair. But to me, at the end of the day, when I look at this Packers team, and I think Aaron Rodgers wants a trade. Because right now, I know the threat is maybe I'll retire, but the thing is that he wants to play somewhere else. He doesn't want to play for Green Bay. Well, the teams I keep hearing, you know, Rob mentioned the Broncos and Raiders. 
I hear the, the New York Giants. Um, the Saints are a different subject. I'll put them to the side just for this one point. Every of the teams I hear about are sorry. The, 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 there's none of those teams that you're that, that are being talked about in terms of signing or excuse me, trading for Aaron Rodgers have an elite receiver like uh with like uh like Adams. Very few of them have uh, a top five rushing yards running back. Like they don't have in Jones. They don't they don't have at least those pieces. I know the maybe the other pieces aren't as great. I know they had some issues off the line. Uh, they've lost some guys. But I, I just, to me, this feels more personal. And I'm cool with it. I, I'm not one of those people who feels like, oh, you don't like your boss. You should just suck it up and play. Hey, if you don't like the people that you're working for, you should leave. Like, Or if you want to leave, you should make that happen. I just don't. I'm just suspect over the idea that the issue is, oh, Aaron doesn't feel like he has enough help. I'm sorry. There are plenty of, uh, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm being, uh, you know, harsh. I'm a Jets fan, and I, I saw what Sam Darnold had to work with. But you can't tell me Aaron had nothing to work with. And then, despite the fact that he had two very great talents on his offense, and then you're telling me he wants to, he may play for the Broncos or Raiders. Like that doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense to me. So my thing is, if we're gonna keep it a hundred, just keep it a hundred. Aaron don't like the dudes in the front office. I don't think he's even crazy about Lafleur. He don't want to play for them guys anymore. And that's cool. But let's just keep it keep it 100. Let's keep it how it is. I don't want to hear about Jordan Love. I don't want to hear about these other guys. The bottom line is he don't like those guys. He wants out. It's not because the team isn't championship ready. And the team is a great team. Right. I'm, I'm with you, EJ. I'm with you, EJ. That, the Packers are one of the three or four most talented rosters in the NFC. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And and that's 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 what's interesting about this because look I agree I mean I've told Shamari all week we've talked about this like you know I mean Rogers makes the demand that if you fire Brian Gutekunst I'll come back and right. I mean I told I told Shamari like you can't do that that's irrational um, mm-hmm. like if your your ownership you know which is what the whole city of Green Bay if you're if you're Mark Murphy you mm-hmm. can't you can't fire you can't fire Brian Gutekunst who's taking them to back to back conference championship game. I know again, I know people are upset about the love pick. And I think in hindsight, would they have drafted Jordan Love? Probably not. You know, I think we can all I think we for the most part can agree with that. But um because if that was the case, then they oh. wouldn't be trying so hard. They wouldn't be trying so hard to try and bring him back. Like if they were so high on Jordan we, Love. Yeah. I we feel didn't like need they we didn't need hindsight to come up with that. They shouldn't have drafted yeah. Jordan Love. That was, I mean, that draft was <laughs> yeah. absurd. Yeah, you know, I think they got they got cute. They thought, look, this is a, you know, we're gonna try and do the do the Rogers Favre thing. I think they knew that they were a a contender already. Um, what the flawed mindset was that they thought that they were a team that was that that didn't have hold apparently because like you said they 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 took their first two picks in last year's draft and used it on positions where they already had elite level players at the position in the yeah. NFL and that's just not something that you do especially again the the running back and the quarterback position i mean the quarterback position is important but when you have Aaron Rodgers it's not important at all um and the running back position is just not a position you you probably shouldn't draft a running back in the second round if you if you don't have a running back but if you do like, you certainly shouldn't. If you have two running backs, you have Jamal Williams as well. Um, obviously, now he's gone to free agency, so we'll see uh, A.J. Dillon get more get more of the load this year. But 
they were they operated like Tampa Bay did, where I think they felt like you know Tampa Bay this season, um, this off season, where I think they felt like you know we didn't have as many needs to plug in the draft, so we could use a pick on Kyle Trask. The you know the 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 Bucks can light that pick on fire, knowing Brady's like 40, 49 years old, right. <laughs> and they brought everybody, literally almost everybody back from that championship team. They they felt we can we can we can burn a second round pick. That's not what the Packers did. They drafted a guy in the first round and then in the second round. Um, so I understand the frustration. Um, but at the same time, this is a team, like I said, that went to back-to-back uh, conference championship games, um, even with the Jordan Love pick. So to me, that's telling me that they do, they did something right. I mean, I think Rodgers is probably looking at, him, looking at him and saying, that's just because I'm, I'm me, I'm that good. And that if I had help, um, if I had more help, then I, I you know, I, we could have won it. And I mean, I, you could always say that. Yeah, of course. You know, we had the, you know, the the front office plant uh, from the report from Ian Rappaport where he said that they tried to trade up to get Justin Jefferson. They tried to get Brandon Ayuk. Uh, and then they decided to settle on Jordan Love, which is like, as deep as that receiver draft was this last year. You're trying to tell me that you're, you're number two, your top two targets in that draft were were Jefferson and Ayuk. And then when those guys weren't available, you just decided we're not drafting sure. a receiver. We're going to take a, we're gonna take yeah, a quarterback. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to take a guy who's not going to play next year. Running back? Yeah, come on. A, a third-string running back and a backup quarterback? Yeah, come on. And not, you, you draft Chase Claypool. I, I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, like... We saw that report, and, and to me, like, yes, of course, if Justin Jefferson is drafted by Green Bay last year, there's a good chance that they are in the Super Bowl. Like, Absolutely. you know, that's a piece that they are. We're that, almost definitely. We they, may go undefeated. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jefferson, Jefferson. yeah, well, yeah we got well, the Packers. Well, I'm a Packers fan on here, right? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. Offense is fantastic. But, but yeah, I mean, like, that, the, the depth at the receiver position um, – particularly the high-level talent, was something that they were missing. So if you added a guy like Justin Jefferson or a guy like Brandon Ayuk, we're talking about a team that maybe could have beaten Tampa Bay. They were a drive away from winning that game. It, the, all those things got to stink. And ultimately, I think that this is the culmination of the success that Tom Brady had in Tampa Bay. Yeah. We saw it with Wilson. We see it now with Rodgers. These quarterbacks, um, they see what, what, what Brady did in Tampa. And they say to themselves, if my organization isn't giving me everything, I got to get out of here and go someplace that will. And that's mm-hmm. what that's what Brady did. I would argue Brady had it much worse in New England in terms of talent. Definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, and he yeah, had a massive upgrade. But I do think Rodgers looks at Denver similar to how Brady looked at Tampa. Like, yeah, this team is a loser, but... You get me there with the offensive weapons that they have, I could turn this team into a contender. With Jerry Judy, with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, just drafted Devontae Williams, you know, pretty decent offensive line. You know, I think, you know what I mean? You, I, I you see, I, it's not like, it's not like, look, I like Judy. Sutton's a really good player. Um, I, and I like Javante Williams. We'll probably talk about him in a second. But, like, to me, I just feel like those are, are, are good players, but you got good players. <laughs> like, like, right. like you, you, you got great you got great players. Not good players. You got great players. So, my thing is, you're running because. I don't know if I'm good at Javante Adams. 
Yeah. Um, and Aaron Jones is probably even a better player right now than those guys have proven to be. He's definitely but, better than anybody that got a running back. So it's like, right, what yeah. are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this has become this has become personal. Which again, I'm I'm totally fine with personal beef. Like personal beef is a, it is what it is. Like you just don't like somebody, then it, then that, it don't matter what your team. So I just think for the conversation around Me- it, and I think for Aaron's team and how they spin it, I don't want to hear about the team. I don't hear the anything about anybody on the team? roster. I want to hear about. I don't like the front office and the coach, so I went out. That's all I want to hear. I, I feel like if there was a, if there was gonna be a trade this all season, I feel like this would have had it would have happened a month ago or three weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, it, when it comes to Rogers' behavior, you know, I mean, it's when the when the reports started coming out, and of course, I had you know NFL Network on you know basically all day and. I'm just hearing all this stuff about how, you know, they went to meet Rodgers, the owner or the president, the coach, the GM all went to meet Rodgers several times. And then I'm hearing that Rodgers, he wants Gutekunst out and he'll stay, which isn't going to happen. He knows it's not going to happen. Yeah, he knows it's not going to happen. But he's just saying, you know, fire him and I'll stay. I mean, that's all. I mean, it's very... I know petty seems like, a, I don't know if that's a harsh word or not, but it is what it is, right? I mean, it's just, he's just saying, I don't like these people and I'm not going to work for them, which is, I mean, which of course is, is you know, uh, you know, it's his right. Human nature. It's human nature. You know, he doesn't like them. He doesn't want to work for them. But I mean, I mean, they seem to have gone to him. I mean, it would, it would appear that they would have gone to him and said, what do you want? Right. Because they, they yes. clearly want him there. Yeah, they talked they've talked about giving him a contract extension. Contract extension. Which you know to me again makes the Jordan Love pick. I feel like this is telling me, and look, we don't know. We're not in the we're not in the building. We're not we're not at the practices. You know, I <laughs> I remember the 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 you know, there were times, you know, when I was with the Eagles where you could you'd be in the practice week in and week out. There are guys that you know, first round picks, second round picks that aren't really get, aren't really playing. Yeah. But when you see the practice, you can just see, I know why this guy's not playing, or like I understand, mm-hmm. like you know, this team understands that this guy is not a long term piece. Like you can just tell sometimes. Mm-hmm. But and so the Packers can see every day in practice what Jordan loves, and just like the Chiefs saw Patrick Mahomes in practice for a whole year, what he was, and they got rid of Alex Smith. As quick as possible, and we—I mean, there was questions about how are the Chiefs going to do with Patrick Mahomes. They weren't looked at as a contender, and obviously, Patrick Mahomes did what he did. Point being, I feel like if the Packers really thought that Jordan Love was if, Patrick Mahomes, Jordan Love Mahomes, was a guy, Rodgers wouldn't be here right now. Rodgers, Rodgers yeah, would be gone. If they thought he was Patrick Mahomes, they they would have taken the two or three first round picks they could have gotten. For Aaron Rodgers, and if he still needs to sit, then now's a well. I already think. It was not a, only, not only are they not, but. not only are they saying we're we're not going to trade Rodgers, but again, they're offering a contract extension. Jordan Love is on a rookie deal, <laughs> right, right? Yeah, now. exactly. You have, have to capitalize. So again, you're talking about offering this guy a contract, and not not like not a. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some sort of restructure in his contract, but not a yeah. We'll restructure your contract, but you know we're still on this timeline of two years or three years, and then we're going to Love. They want to extend that Rodgers timeline as long as possible. That, to me, is a bit of a red flag. I feel like they are going to move on from Rodgers. I, but I don't think it's going to happen this offseason. I think if it would have happened this offseason, um, 
it would have happened last last month when there was a draft about they, to come up. They and, said they met with him several times. They met with him several times, and it seems like they said, "What do you want? Like we don't want right. you to leave. Like w- tell us what you want." And and he wants to go. I where I think they're at is I think I, I they're gonna play hardball. And but what happens now is that the Packers they've got to go into next season. They can trade him now or trade him before the season. But to me, I think that that would be malpractice when you consider if you're trading him to Denver, unless you're giving me three first round picks, which I don't know if they're giving three first round picks for Aaron Rodgers at this point. Unless you give me three first round picks, those first round picks you're getting for Aaron Rodgers are going to be at the end of the draft, unless you get hurt. Like those are, those are going to be almost certainly in the 20s. If he's going to Vegas, if he's going to Denver, if he, if he, I mean, if he's going to the Giants, I mean, NFC East, I mean, I would probably pick them to be the favorites. Like, almost no matter where he's going, I'm talking about a team that's probably going to make the playoffs. So, you have to you have to wait this out. And if he doesn't want to play, make him do Jeopardy. And then you can trade him before next year's draft to a team that that's, that is desperate for a quarterback. If San Fran offered them the number three pick in the draft and they turned it down and then decided to trade him to Denver next week for the same package... You're not getting the number three pick. Yeah. So, no. I don't know. To me, I, I would imagine that this means that this is why they're playing hardball. They're saying, look, if you want to retire, well, you'll retire, and then we'll do the Gronk thing. You retire, and then when you say, I'm, I'm going to unretire, we'll trade you for a first-round pick. Right. But, you know, to me, I, I, I'd i be shocked if they trade him before the season starts. There's certainly uh, going to be a, a crazy situation in Green Bay to, to continue to follow. I do want to talk about the draft here. I want to bring Rob in here because uh, there were no surprises with the Jaguars taking uh, Clemson's QB, Trevor Lawrence, at number one. But the real surprise, I think, came a little later in the first round when Jacksonville used their uh, second second round, second first round pick on Clemson running back Travis Etienne, who, of course, starred with Lawrence down there uh, with the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Rob, do you like how Urban is complimenting his franchise uh, rookie QB by taking uh, ETN? I mean, not particularly. Um, I like ETN. I know that uh, yeah, at least Kendall's a little bit lower on him um, as a prospect, specifically since Urban Meyer said he wanted to use him as a third down back. And you know, <laughs> Etienne's not exactly, not exactly going to be in there blocking, and he's not really going to be running downfield routes, at least I don't think he will be out of the gate. Um, so I don't know how much value he brings there. Uh, it makes a lot of sense why Urban said he wanted Kadarius Tony, which seems like a lot more of a toy in the Percy Harvin role that Urban uh, really uh, loved to feature in all of his offenses, particularly you know when he was running the helm in Florida. Um, but the thing is, and this goes back to why I'm a little bit underwhelmed by this draft, is you get into the mid-20s here, and this is like prime – prime time this is like rob has like 40 guys that he loves here and like <laughs> the offensive linemen who i like they're off the board you know the defensive players are are underwhelming at best um we've already got the run on receivers the run on quarterbacks out of the way um there's only one tight end that is even worth talking about now, what are you going to do you take a guy like eddie and who's you know yeah he could go he could take that you know a bad off uh a bad offensive play and go for 70 yards and where else on the board at 25, are you going to find a, a player who's really going to help your quarterback more? So 
I don't really have a problem with the pick. I don't love first round running backs. Um, you know, he's going to be, you know, probably more expensive than he's worth pretty fast unless they find a way to turn him into an Alvin Kamara, you know, type weapon, mm-hmm. which he certainly has some of the upside, but I don't really know that he has some of, he does the little things that Kamara does. So, um, again, you know, just kind of, you know, Trevor Lawrence, that's, that's an A-plus pick. You got the number one pick in the draft, you pick Trevor Lawrence. You know, after that, you know, I, I don't know how great uh, the Jaguars are. I, I'm not sure that they wouldn't have been better served by grabbing, you know, one of those corners that went late in the, late in the first, like, uh, like Greg Newsom. Um, but that, that's me. That's, that's, what, that's what I think for, for the Jaguars, who are probably looking at, you know, a long-term rebuild here um, with Trevor Lawrence, not a, not a quick fix. And Kendall, one of the things that you uh, have talked about with ETN that has concerned you is his uh, problems in the passing game when it comes to pass protection. And Trevor Lawrence knows it better than anybody because he was right next to him uh, during those plays where he was getting uh, blasted and and ETN was missing blocks. I mean, uh, it it seems like a weird predicament to make uh, ETN a third down back that is indeed the plan when – he does struggle in that in that in that uh in that positioning um in terms of his his skill set, especially when you're trying to protect a yeah. freshman a rookie quarterback you know who's your number one overall pick. Yeah, I have to believe that they feel like maybe they can coach him up on that on that because mm-hmm. again when he calls him a third down back, you know I mean again I I I, I mentioned to you to I mentioned this to you off air that you know you look at. The Chiefs with Clyde Edwards-Elair, as dynamic as he was, um, you know, as a pass catcher and as a runner, you know, they really didn't like having him out there on on on, tr- on traditional passing downs or drives where they knew they're gonna have to pass the ball a lot because he he's a he's a he's a below average or he's a mediocre pass blocker, um, and that's the that that's gonna be the the hiccup with Travis Etienne is that almost no matter how dynamic he is. What's going to be his his true value? Um, on a, if if you're if, again if it's late in the game, you know you're you're down you're down a score. You got to go get a touchdown. You got to drive down the field, or you've got to get in field goal range. And you can't have your one of your most dynamic weapons out on the field because you know you're, you're going to be passing, and he can't. He's he, he's a mediocre uh, pass protector. So it was weird. You know, again, you're talking about a team that has James Robinson. They just signed Carlos Hyde. The running back position again. If you're talking about a team, if you're talking about a team that needs a running back, like Pittsburgh, you still have questions about whether or not they should draft uh, a, a running back. But when you don't need a running back, um, you almost certainly shouldn't. And look, I think Rob mentioning how they wanted Kadarius Tony, you know, and Urban Meyer talking about how, you know, that kind of threw them off. I think that had to have really set in, you know, a little bit of panic. You know, I'm not panicked because I'm sure they have. I mean, you've got a board, you've got to trust the board. But you know, ETN obviously there are some some skill similarities between ETN and Tony. But like, but but like Rob mentioned, they're not gonna he's not gonna have the exact same role. Um, I mean, I wonder how to, I don't know how they felt about Rondell Moore, but that's the other guy in this draft that can do what Tony does. Uh, in a different light, but that could have been that Percy Harvin type player. I don't know if it was an injury concern or if it was they just weren't as high on Rondell Moore. But if that's what you were looking for, like that would have been the that would have been the alternative. Um, 
and that's typically what you see. You'll see a team like we saw with Oakland, who, you know, apparently wanted Elijah Vera Tucker, and he wasn't on the board. And you know what? They were just like, well, the next best guard prospect or the next best <laughs> lineman that we that we're looking at, and I'm sure they're going to probably move Leather Leatherwood to 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 guard is, is with Alex Leatherwood, who's a guy who's projected going projected to go in the second round. Mm. Um, I know once that pick came, I know you know Miami fans like EJ started uh, Miami Hurricane fans started sweating because they were like our record for most first round picks oh uh, from any school. We, was really in danger. We started looking at Landon Dickerson still on the board, <laughs> Barmore still on the board, yeah. uh, but surprisingly, those well, surprisingly more so with Christian Barmore did not go in the first round. Um, but yeah, nah, this was a uh, to me this was a, a tough pick if if you're Urban Meyer, I get it, but you know I like the Tyson Campbell pick a little bit better. I know you know Green Bay decided to go with Eric Stokes. Uh, at corner, um, you know, they thought that another Georgia guy who I guess they thought had a little higher of an upside. Um, both of them are kind of boomer bust kind of corners, but yeah, um, like Rob said, I mean, you could have you could have really taken those picks if you're gonna. I hate to use the word waste because ETN could be a real weapon for them. If you're gonna use a burn a pick on a guy like ETN, you might as well have used it on guys that could have made that defense you know, a passable team. Because while a lot of people talked about how bad the Jets were and how many holes the Jets had, like, we forget that the Jaguars were actually worse than the New York Jets. Yeah. And they, one of their positions that they were actually above average at, league above league average at, was running back. And so yeah. you use it on Travis Etienne. Uh, again, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough pick. Now, Shamari, I know, you know, in our group chat, you know, you, you, you said, you know, while there may be some concern with Etienne, you feel like it could be an exciting pairing with him and Lawrence. Uh, I did. Um, I mean, I mean, I, and I think it is an exciting pairing. I mean, just being honest, you know, having seen him and uh, seeing Lawrence and ETN um, together at Clemson, I mean, they they work great together. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree with what with what Robin, both Robin Kendall had mentioned. I mean, they have running backs, uh, so you know. Just looking at it from that perspective, the pick really doesn't make much sense um, because they have they don't they, and they don't just have okay running backs; they have very good running backs. Mm-hmm. So, so it's very it's very odd. Uh, but uh, but ETN has a ton of potential. He's a, he's I mean, just seeing what he was able to do at Clemson, I could definitely see him being successful in the NFL. You know, it's just it makes you wonder why you know why this team. And the only answer is 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 Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> you know this seems like almost like a like a um, uh, it seems like a uh, like a bunch of teams just trying to just trying to get 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 quarterbacks their teammates back. You know, I know. Yeah, that was a really weird theme. We'll talk about that a little later. Yeah, it was we, really we weird. We'll probably get to that, but but that's what that's yeah. what it seemed like this was. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's pretty interesting, but um, I do like Etn. I, I don't know why they got him, um, uh, but. You know, either way, they could have some pretty special moments in, in Jacksonville, potentially. Yeah. And look, I mean, ETN is, uh, the guy is a true home run hitter. I mean, you know, you know, the very few guys, you know, in terms of the NFL, when you put them on the field, you feel like no matter what the play is, as Rob said, he could still take it 80 yards. Um, he's one of those guys. In some ways, uh, he has that ability in spite of some of 
his issues, whether it be, you know, vision, patience in, in the hole. He doesn't really have a lot of that, per se. He's just ridiculously fast and just a, a natural runner, especially in open space. So, look, man, I mean, maybe they just thought that having that kind of weapon um, just on your roster was, is, is, was something that they wanted. I'm sure maybe he'll maybe even have some, some, uh, some value in the, in the return game. But it did seem like a, a weird fit. It did seem like, you know, it was just, you know, well, we didn't get our guy we wanted. Let's just get Trevor happy, keep him happy, send him a nice note, you know, to start his career saying, hey, man, we got your back. We're getting you your guy, and we're going to keep it going. I don't, I don't know if it works, but that, that's what it looks like. They, just, yeah. they must yeah. love each as a player and just said to themselves, look, best player available. As bad as they are, you know, again, you, you can like right. James Robinson. As bad as they are, they needed more pop. The more sizzle on offense, and so bringing ETN, you've already have Luis Gutierrez. You know now you're starting to actually get Trevor Lawrence weapons. Um, there were other guys that they go on the board they could have done that as well, but um, I, I see the logic. It just seems like you know why not get Michael Carter in round three? Mm-hmm. You know they had a million first round, second round picks. You could have waited. You, honestly, as we know, they could have waited until round four to get my yeah. So I mean, I mean, this team just seems too bad to be to be wasting picks like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, ultimately, you know, Eddie is a good player. I really liked him. I really liked him at Clemson. But I, I just, from a team building perspective, you know, four years from now, when they're looking at, do I pick up his fifth year option? You know, what's going to be harder to find uh, a, a first round caliber cornerback or another running back who could take his spot? Mm. Yeah, I think it's you know it's it'll make them more exciting you know in the next you know two years probably if he has a couple of big highlight plays, but I'm not sure how much he contributes to long term winning. And when we look at the pick at uh, number two, the Jets didn't surprise anyone by taking Zach Wilson, uh, but unlike their approach when it came to former quarterbacks, they took really high like Sanchez and Sam Darnold. More recently, they didn't waste time in supplementing him with. Uh, with with help on the offensive side of the ball through the draft. They got aggressive, trading up into the first round, uh, trading up from their for a second first-round pick to uh, to get uh, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC at 14. They then got uh, Ole Miss speedster Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore in the second round, the second overall pick in the second round uh, of the draft. And while they didn't have a third-round pick because of the trade that they made, Early in the fourth round, they took, as Kendall just mentioned, Michael Carter, running back out of North Carolina, who many considered to be uh, a third-round value, maybe even a second-round value. The Jets going four straight offensive players. This is not something we've seen the Jets do, and I think it probably was a little surprising given you, you know your head coach, Robert Sala, is a defensive guy. Um, Rob, were you surprised by the Jets' approach, and, and are, you, are you in favor of the Jets' approach in, in, in trying to help Zach Wilson early by just – supplying him with high-end draft picks on the opposite side of the ball. I mean, we're not we're not going to relitigate the, you know, is Zach Wilson QB2 in this draft thing here, I'm sure, at least not too much. But, you know, I, I have to look, you know, and, and I know you guys talked about it uh, in the pre-draft show, you know, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jamison Crowder, you know, it's not the worst grouping, but, you know, it's not most exciting. You know, you add Elijah Moore to that. You add Michael Carter to that. Carter to that. Are we lit now, EJ? We lit now? Oh, I think we are lit now. I think it. I think. I think it is lit. When we got uh, two Elijahs, one of them, you know, spelled a different way, but I'm still gonna take it. Two Elijahs, 
uh, <laughs> on Gangrene. It's it's very lit. Uh, it's very lit in in, in Gotham uh, Gotham right now for sure. Uh, yeah, I think this is what uh, what you do when you're going to build around a quarterback. It's what they 100%. absolutely did not do for Sam Darnold or Geno Smith or Mark Sanchez, um, despite you know those players you know inherent warts uh, on their own. But um, you take the quarterback, whether you're a defensive coach or an offensive coach, you have to be able to keep that guy upright and you know have guys that make his life easier. Um, and as much as you know, building a great defense, you know, does contribute to winning. It doesn't always make the quarterback's life easier. Um, it just you know gives him a little bit of leeway to put up less points. So I think this is the right approach. I love the pick of Michael Carter. I think that he uh, is probably my favorite pick in the draft after round one. Um, I don't think that you know Javante Williams. You know, there's plenty of reasons why he went in the second round. Um, and went ahead of Carter, but I wouldn't. I put Carter as one of my you know, top five backs in this draft, and, and a guy who I really could see you know, helping this really putrid running game out. You know, I, it's been a while since we've seen you know the, the Jets be able to turn around, hand the ball to somebody, and, and you think a good thing's going to happen. Um, so I, I think that you know Zach Wilson, he but he's going to have Mackay back, and he's going to have. Elijah Vera Tucker is going to have you know, okay weapons to throw to, and I'm sure that they'll continue to get better. Um, but he's got he's got a starting point that's ahead of where the Jets have been in a while. If they if they're right on Zach Wilson and and some of us are, are wrong about him, you know, in comparison to you know some of the other quarterbacks that we wanted the Jets to take, maybe um, he has the pieces to get a to get a good you know first foot forward. And Sham, one of the things that, you know, I, I I looked at when I thought about Robert Sala and what they did here is to me, Robert Sala is doing the opposite of Rex Ryan. He's, he's, he, to me, Rex Ryan's fatal flaw in running the Jets was his obsession with defense and his obsession with get me some young defensive guys and I could turn them into great players. Um, the Jets' defensive uh, development uh, staff under Ryan wasn't nearly as good as I think people would have thought it was and certainly what Rex would have thought. But in doing that, what they did was they they drafted defense, even though they were already strong on defense, and some of those guys, again, did not even contribute. But they decided, we're going to try to help. We're going to help Sanchez through the offense by trading for veterans, signing veterans, and they made some good moves. You know, Ladanian Tomlinson came in after Thomas Jones was like, oh, uh, St. Antonio Holmes had a really good first year. Braylon Edwards played pretty well. They they got some good guys, but what what happened was when the bottom fell out on that team, the cover was just completely bare when it came to offensive talent. And then you looked around, you were like, "Wow, there's nothing here on offense." And it seemed like the Jets have been playing catch up for all these years. And 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 then you know, to me, even uh, 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 Todd Bowles also drafted a lot of defensive guys too. So he didn't seem to really get it. And Robin's good point, bringing Geno Smith because he was. Also in that mix, even though he was a second round pick. So to me, I, I thought to me, and I've tweeted, I thought Robert Sala showed, and I mean he's not the he's not the GM. You no, know, Joe Douglas, and then and they're making these final calls. I thought Joe Douglas had a masterful draft, but I think Sala, I'm sure he was all on board and supported these picks. I thought he showed some real maturity in his first draft, not being like, hey, get me some guys who I could work with early on. He's looking, he's thinking about the whole football team, and what's right now, the whole football team is is uh, Zach Wilson. He's the full football team because if he don't work out, all those guys in there aren't going to be employed 
the team's going to be unsuccessful, and they're going to be rebuilding in another five years. So I, I was really impressed with what I saw from Robert Sala this weekend, Sham. Oh, yeah, me too. I was very, very impressed. Um, I'm actually going to watch watch Jets football. Uh, this, I'm excited to watch some Jets football. Hey, man, welcome aboard. It, it was not pretty last year, I'm telling you. It was it was rough. And, and to be honest, I skipped out on plenty of them. But, uh, but I think uh, it may yeah, be a little I'm better actually, this year. Yeah, I'm actually motivated to, to watch the Jets play football. It's, it's some very interesting, very interesting times. But, yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very I'm very excited to see what the Jets can do. Um, I mean, they have a lot of talent, a lot of young talent as well. It's, it's not like I remember even in other years when they've had talent, a lot of the talent was either people that were over the hill or people that were kind of, yeah. you know, okay, yeah, guys, this guy can give us guys, a, guys hanging on, you know. But they didn't tell with the Jets. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. Guys, just like, <laughs> all right, like, I mean, hopefully he'll last a little bit and then we'll we'll get a young guy or something, but you know, they never did. It was, it was kind of just that for, for a long time with the Jets. And then now they actually have some young pieces and you're giving Zach Wilson a chance. It's all that also helps when your quarterback's twelve. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but um but yeah, you're giving Wilson a you're giving Wilson a chance. You're giving him pieces that he can work with, right? It's not all and I one thing I love that Salo said was uh in the phone call they were showing the phone calls, he said, you know, we're gonna like we're here to support you, right? Like we're here to support your success. You know, like they're not putting it all on him to just, you know, lead us to victories. Like, no, right. we're going to make sure that you are successful. We're going to put pieces around you so that you have everything that you need to to win. And that's the, exactly the right mindset. So the Jets are in a position to have a new coach who's motivated, who knows how to run a defense well, knows how to motivate guys, knows how to how to get his team engaged, you know, but he's not, you know, he's not like – Kind of clownish in the restaurant kind of way sometimes in the <laughs> right. locker room. He's like he's very he's he's motivated, but he's very much like you know his business, right? Right. You guys are here to work, you know. Um, so it's really this is this is a this is an exciting time for the Jets. I'm very I'm very excited to see what they're going to do. And Kendall, the other thing about the Jets um, is is when they when they last had success in building a team, they did it through uh, drafting up front. It was Brickshaw Ferguson, the Brickshaw Ferguson, early in one draft, and then that same draft uh, later in the first round, getting Nick Mangold. Here, um, last year, Makai Becton, injury issues, but great season besides the injury. I mean, that was literally the only thing you could be worried about. So, I mean, he was dinged up a little bit. But even when he played hurt some of those games, he played great. And, and now you have Elijah Vera Tucker. That left side of the offensive line is looking you know, pretty strong. What do you think of uh, Vera Tucker there? The Vera Tucker uh, situation, obviously, again, that was another one close to my heart, considering the Vikings. One, the Vikings were seriously looking at Vera Tucker, I would mm-hmm. imagine, given our, our holes at the, at, on the offensive line. But, uh, you know, when the Vikings missed out on Justin Fields, they made the right move and decided to trade down. And the Jets seemed like a logical trade partner. Um, you know, I think the Jets, you know, they were a team that, I mean, we, you know, talked about it. Uh, we've talked about it for months on this podcast, even that uh, they really should have focused on addressing the offensive line, maybe even more so than the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could argue that Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be one of the more, he, he didn't have the draft value like Penny Sewell and Rayshon Slater um, because he's not 
not projected to play the, at the tackle position. Uh, some people are, that talked about potentially converting him to a tackle. Um, but in terms of a guy who is, you know, in terms of an offensive line prospect who's pretty complete, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker is a guy that you would imagine projects as a as a starter uh, at the NFL level. So, um, and potentially a high level uh, Pro Bowl All Pro kind of guy. But if you're the Jets, you're able to get that guy and and then keep you know some of your assets. You know, I mean, it's great to have a bunch of third round picks, but at the end of the day, this team needs high end talent. So getting a, a guy, especially at the offensive line, where you're not going to get linemen that are uh, super talented in rounds, you know, two, three, and four. I mean, you can you can find a diamond in the rough, but that's the most you're going to get. Um, you know, hashtag Bengals, hashtag Dolphins. But uh, that's the, the 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 Jets made that move to get Elijah Vera Tucker, and it was a smart, really smart play. Um, look, I mean, when you're talking about Zach Wilson, one of the things that I was concerned about when you were talking about moving him to the Jets and moving Darnold uh, and saying to yourself, we're not going to draft an offensive lineman, was the situation he had at BYU. Although it's not Alabama or it's not Ohio State or it's not even it's not even Clemson, the BYU offensive line and the receiving core is pretty decent, but the BYU offensive line in particular was uh, obviously really strong. Yeah, um, they were grown men better, on the offensive line. Had a guy like Brady Christensen who went later in the draft. Um and they played against weaker competition. So, you know, he had a lot of time in the pocket. You know, you could there were metrics to suggest that Zach Wilson had more time and faced less pressure than any quarterback in this draft. Then, knowing that fact, the Jets had to surround him with something similar to what he had at BYU. You're not, he's not going to have the best offensive line from day one. But he couldn't walk into the worst. And so getting Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, it's, a, it's a positive step forward. And again, like I mentioned, the other thing he had at BYU was a pretty decent core of weapons. Again, not he didn't like not like he had Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. He didn't have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. He didn't have Amari Rogers um, and Cornell Powell. But you know, Dax Mill, you know, is a pretty decent guy. He's a pretty decent receiver. Gunnar Romney's a pretty decent receiver. Like that was a decent receiving core again against weaker competition. So getting guys like Elijah Moore, getting a guy like Mark Carter in the backfield. Um, it's a step in the right direction. Of course, you mentioned Corey Davis um, uh, and Denzel Mims already. Yeah. This is, I mean, the Jets are, are, are starting something. I'm not the biggest fan of Elijah Moore in general. You know, I mentioned that, I believe, mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, getting him in the second round isn't terrible value. I mean, there were people talking about drafting him uh, in the first round. I didn't, know if, I didn't know if drafting a slot receiver um, – in round one would, would have been the right play, but, and the Jets still have a hole, I think at the receiver position when it comes to having a true alpha number one receiver, yeah. but you know, now you've got, you've got guys, you know, yeah. you've got weapons. And I feel like in this offense, they're going to try and see if he can do the Debo Samuel thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously Mike LaFleur coming from uh, San Fran. Um, I'm not sure if that's, if, how that's going to work um, or if he's going to be effective at it, but we'll see. Um, I also, I also, also, first of all, you talked about the defense, how they didn't address it as much early in the draft. Um, and that's fine. Look, I think there, there was a hole at corner 
you know, but I think they felt like in Robert Sala, he's going to run mostly his own scheme. Yeah. They could probably, they could probably make up for that uh, scheme wise. Getting a guy like Jason Pinnock, I was a Pitt fan. You know, I think Sala said to himself, this guy who's a taller, rangier corner uh, is similar to the guys that he had in Seattle. So that's going to be an interesting pick as well if you're a Jeff fan. And um, and I and I, you know, talking about Michael Carter, I feel like you know, Miami, the Miami Hurricane made some of these guys a lot of money <laughs> during this draft. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Put on the Miami. Mi- yeah, the Miami tape. Yeah, they they made a couple guys some some bread. Virginia and, Tech as well. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and Oklahoma State. But watching watching the, I mean, if you watch Michael Carter against uh, Miami, he was just sensational. I mean, just yeah. There were plays where he wouldn't have been down in two hand touch. That's how, um, that's how great he was in that game, and he was great all season. And I'm really excited to see how he looks in, in green. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say real quick. Yeah. I mean, Rob, you both you and Rob hit the nail on the head on the Michael Carter thing. I mean, I, I mean, he to me was probably my third favorite back in this draft. Um. Uh, you know, I I understand the Javante Williams thing, you know, in terms of being a little bit more conventional, a little stronger, um, you know, but it's it's not easy to be Marshawn Lynch. You know, those guys don't grow on trees. And in today's NFL, I think you just need a twitchier guy, a guy who's a little bit better in the passing game. And people, I think, are typecasting him as like a third down back when I think he's an actual, I think he's a guy who can, uh, help you on all downs. You know, not all similar ETN. Not a he's too small to be a, a great pass protector, but um, as a runner of the football, he is very, very, very good. So um, people are thinking you might think Darren Sproles, but you know, Devontae Freeman is going to be something a little closer to what Michael Carter could be. And uh, Devontae Freeman again, you're talking about a three down guy. No, and you got him in round four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's lots of like it with that pick, and a lot to like what is going on in New York. Uh, Rob, the, the drama surrounding the third overall selection culminated with the San Francisco 49ers taking North Dakota State QB Trey Lance. There were a ton of reports that Mac Jones uh, would be the guy there at three, but if uh, you were to believe what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have been saying since the draft ended that uh, San Fran had their eyes on Lance for a very long time and from the beginning when they made that trade up. Jones ended up falling to New England at 15. Now he's paired up with Bill Belichick, who now moves forward with his future, uh, QB of the future. And then the Bears, as we mentioned earlier, traded up into the first round to take Georgia QB, uh, excuse me, Ohio State QB. Uh, it was a former Georgia QB. Uh, Justin Fields with the 11th overall pick. Uh, Rob, out of these three guys, which player team fit do you like the most uh the easy answer is uh trey lance and it really doesn't have much to do with the player as much it has a lot to do with the team mm-hmm. and kyle shanahan is a good coach um he has a really great you know, offensive scheme we saw jimmy g uh really have success in that and jimmy garoppolo it doesn't really have a lot of talent I think is probably <laughs> the best way to say it. Not not the um, nicest way to say it, but it, it is a way no, to say it. It's 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 the truth. I mean, 
<laughs> you know, Trey Lance, he's got a big arm. He's going to be able to run. He's going to be able to, you know, not only um, do the things that Kyle Shanahan wants to do on offense, he's going to tempt Kyle Shanahan to try to do a little bit more on offense than even Kyle has been comfortable doing, you know, with uh, Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, you know, Brian Hoyer, like the list of quarterbacks he's had success with. Um, and, and unless Lance, yeah, maybe, maybe you know, the first his, time his since like really the probably the first time since RG three, uh, without a doubt. And yeah. you know, RG three, you know, was a great talent, and you know, I would have you know, thought he was a better prospect. I still see him, you know, come in last year for Lamar Jackson on the Ravens, and I'm like, all right, RG three is gonna, you know, prove to be you know <laughs> just as good as any other quarterback around. But you know, Lance, you know, Lance has a has a really big arm. He's only 20 years old. He's got a lot of potential, a lot of room to grow, and a lot like you know my pre-draft grade of Patrick Mahomes is embarrassing. But the day Andy Reid traded up to get him, you're like Andy Reid is much smarter than me, and he must you know see a guy who is going to fix all his problems and you know just focus on what he does good. Um, I, I think that the Niners taking Trey Lance, um, despite you know. Uh, if I was the Niners, I would have took Fields. But the fact that the Niners thought you know Lance gives us more than Fields, I, I think that there's probably probably something there. Um, I hope they're right, and I know that Kyle Shanahan is going to do whatever he takes to make himself uh, look right at least. Now, Sham, you, you know we had the conversation with Lance and Jones at three. It's at best, kind of unclear how serious Jones was as a threat to Lance potentially being that at that three spot. Uh, but then, you know, Jones went from being uh, the third quarterback taken to the fifth. And, and Fields obviously jumped Jones. Chicago went up to take uh, jo- uh, Fields, and then Jones fell to New England. Do you see that that, do you think that was the right order there? Do you, do you see Fields as being ahead of Jones there? Uh, well, yes, I do. Um, I've been, you know, I've been, me and Kendall have been kind of, kind of riding, riding the, you know, riding the train of fields over the field, so to speak. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I mean, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, and I, and I told Kendall, I've been, I've been telling Kendall all of, all, well, all of last, uh, season when I was watching, um, you know, uh, the last season of college football, I was questionable on fields. I was like, I haven't seen this. I mean, I, the season before, you know, he, he made that bad play at the, in the, uh, in the, the, the playoff game, game, game yeah. you know, and, and he, you know, you see him make bad decisions at times. I'm like, I have to see him like really step up in a big game. I have to see him step up in a big game right. where they need you have Northwestern, you have Indiana, you have Clemson last year. It starts to be, feel like a trend. You start to say, okay, I need him. <laughs> yeah. He's good. You know, most of the time, but can he step up in big moments when the team needs him to step up? And in that Clemson game, you you that was in on full display for all of the NFL to see for sure, and for all of everybody else to see. I was like, wow, that impressed me. I was like, with a with a whole month with, of people talking about how bad he is, how bad how he can how be. You, people he, like me, yeah. he better like me. look good or he's talk not getting about, drafted. Talk about how this kid is. You know, I I see. I keep hearing all this great stuff about him, but I I have to see him step up where it counts. And I haven't seen it, and he showed me, and he won me over. Right. It looks like he won the Bears over too, so I think they got a steal. I think they one hundred thousand percent got a steal. I think Field should have gone number two. 
um, you know, the Zach Wilson hype kind of came out of nowhere. But if he should have gone number two. And it's, it's really, you know, it's just, it's crazy. Now I'm worried about the Bears as a Packers fan, too. Like, worry about the Bears. Like, so, so yeah, they 100% uh, got to deal with that pick. And I think, I think New England's a good landing spot for Jones as well. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I, I think Mac Jones can, um, you know, I think with, uh, with Belichick and New England and, you know, I keep hearing a lot of stuff about a lot of comparisons to Brady, which I, I, whenever you compare anybody to Brady, it kind of doesn't make any sense. But a lot of comparisons to Brady, and I think he can develop there. I mean, they have Cam. You know, if they if Jones isn't ready, they can always go with Cam. But um, uh, but I, 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 I see that as a good spot for him. You know, with, with him, you know, uh, with with the with the whole kind of vibe in New England, I, I feel like that's a good fit for him. So. Um, so yeah, honestly, I, I think this is the best kind of spot for everyone. Um, I think Field should have gone higher, but I mean, it is what it is. I think time will tell. Uh, we'll see if if uh, if this <laughs> if eleven ended ended up being a good spot for him or not. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I can probably confirm it's been a long time since Shamari Packers fan or most Packers fans would could utter the words. You know, they're a little concerned about where the Chicago Bears are headed, but there's <laughs> a reason to be. Surprisingly, yeah. you need to be optimistic right now in Chicago because you know I, I don't know if we talked about it. I think we talked about it on the pod when they when they uh, when they signed Andy Dalton. And they said he was QB one, and I said this thing is a nightmare. This thing is a nightmare. This is I said it was rock bottom for the Chicago <laughs> Bears because to me it was. It was like this is it. This this is uh, this is this is uh, the worst timeline. Like they're gonna come into the season after failing two quarterbacks last year and come in with Andy Dalton. This is this is this is the worst. And then one draft, and then everything looks totally different again. And I know they're saying Andy Dalton's QB one right now, and maybe he is. I'm not. I, 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 when whether Field starts week one or week four or week eight, I don't think that matters all that much. So I'm not going to trip over it. But I, I do feel like now you look at Chicago and say, okay, they, there's something there. They're, they they have a plan. It just seemed like the last two years when you knew Trubisky wasn't the guy. And then they went and got Foles, and you knew he wasn't going to be the answer. It just seemed like they were just treading their tires, and they were—they to me were a team that was too talented uh, to be treading their tires. You know, you got a Khalil Mack, you got Roquan Smith uh, at linebacker, um, you got Allen Robinson at wide receiver, you got Coleman and Montgomery. They got good players, and I'm like, this is a good, a, a pretty good team that just—they don't even like they're trying to do anything because there's no way you're going to win. With the quarterback they got, so to see them be aggressive, you know, we'll see if Fields, you know, matches the timeline and maybe some of those older players. But I think that you know the Bears are going to be able to play some defense, and you know, Allen Robinson is a star. And now you feel okay, maybe he is somebody that they can hold on to long term. I think Kendall, things are looking up for Chicago. Is that great, right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, you're a Viking fan. You're not loving that either. But I'm telling you, uh, it might be a new day in the NFC North very soon. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I already went on the Fields thing, you know. I mean, you know, God, we got Kellen Mond, you know, that should be fun. But uh, first of all, it's funny that Rob Rob mentions the uh, the you know Kyle Shanahan, how he, he's you know he he's glad you mentioned the Andy Reid thing where it's like you know Andy Reid you know drafts Mahomes, maybe there's something wrong here. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad that Shanahan didn't, didn't draft Mac Jones because, uh, you know, if, from my evaluation process, 
I I agree that I thought I held Kyle Shanahan pretty high high esteem when it comes to offensive minds and quarterback minds and just football minds in general. And so if they would have drafted Mac Jones, I would have had to do a serious reevaluation mm. of my own my own <laughs> watching of football. Um, and so to hear exactly. that they exactly <laughs> exactly so to hear that you know they had trey lance in mind of you know the whole time it may it makes sense you know whether or not you know you can disagree a little bit if you want but there there is you know the everybody talks about the quotes uh where you know he talks about there are there are quarterbacks in the league nowadays i believe he was talking about josh allen but he was talking about quarterbacks in the league that you know can do a little bit more you know, just have an extra juice to them, you know, being able to make plays with their legs and make plays off platform. And <laughs> when you have Jimmy Garoppolo, it just never made sense to then go out and get Mac Jones. Right. It, nothing ever added up when Trey Lance and Justin Fields would have been available. So I'm glad they went with Fields in that regard. Um, or Lance, rather, in that regard. Uh, I feel like, to me, I, the Mac Jones situation uh, in New England... I, it's a better spot for him. It's it's a better spot because it's going to be way less pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston Boston's a, is going to be a tough sports town for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but just you're not going to have that weight of being the number three pick and the entire fan base essentially hating you for the first you know year. Mm-hmm. Um, it it would it would have been similar, but I think even worse than the Daniel Jones thing because the Daniel Jones thing, I think the 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 Giants fans rallied around Danny jo- Daniel Jones in a way that I don't know if Niners fans would have done for Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Patriots fans will. So I think it'll you'll feel you'll, yeah, I think they will. you'll see yeah. a little bit. I, mean, I think they probably already have. Did you just yeah. call all Giants fans dummies? <laughs> Did I call them dummies? That's what it sounded like. You said that, that you know Giants fans are dumb enough to rally around Daniel Jones. You don't think <laughs> the other fan bases would. That's what <laughs> I, I heard. Hopefully that's not what it sounded like. But uh, I, mean, I mean, you can look, you can say whatever you want, you know. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> when it comes to the uh, Mac Jones and the Patriots, like I, I don't, I don't love Mac Jones as a prospect. Um, to me, he's a second round guy that they drafted at fifteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of Christian Ponder going to Minnesota, where it feels like you know you're taking a B, a B or a B minus quarterback just because you have a need at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I, I, this, if there's any place where Mac Jones is going to work out, uh, New England is one of the places where it could have worked out. So um, I'm excited about that just to see what, just to see how it works out for Mac Jones. But ultimately, like you said, Fields going to Chicago. Um, it's an excellent move by Matt Nagy and, and, and Ryan Pace because uh, like you talked about, EJ, I mean, it just didn't make sense for an organization. Again, talking about like just knowing like what, like how to keep a job. Yeah, exactly. going season like with Andy Dalton as a quarterback <laughs> was lunacy. One straight to a paint flip, so uh, <laughs> it, it makes it, it makes all the sense in the world for them to make that play. They have to be more aggressive than a team like Minnesota, where you got Kirk Cousins. Fields isn't going to play anyway. Um, I mean, I think they have reason to be aggressive, similar to, to the Forty ers where the 49ers have Garoppolo, mm-hmm. and they knew Garoppolo was going to be the guy, but they were still being forward-thinking and knowing that Garoppolo shouldn't be the guy for the next five years. Uh, so I think Minnesota should have had that similar sense of urgency. They did not. You know, again, you know, says what you want, say what you want about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan versus Rick Spielman and 
Mike Zimmer, but Chicago had that sense of urgency. They yeah. needed the there there was a major need at quarterback. And I don't know how good the Bears will be this year. Uh some of it I think does seriously depend on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Because obviously the Packers are still the the team in that division. Yeah. Minnesota, you know, I want to say they were trying to make their team better, but then they drafted their second pick was a quarterback. So I I don't know what <laughs> I don't know if we're a win now team or a win two years from now team. I don't even know. But you know the Bears. I mean, people forget as bad as the quarterback position was for them last year. As much of a mess as it was, they were a playoff team. So you yeah. know, I mean, this expanded. NFL playoffs where everybody makes it, you know, could the Bears be a playoff team next year? And who's the quarterback? Is this a Joe Flacco-Lamar situation where maybe Fields is the for, for 10 weeks of the season? And maybe they're winning games with Dalton, but they say to themselves, we want Fields to be the guy going forward. I, that's something that I could see with this team. But, yeah, I mean, the guy who's in the best situation is Lance, you know, um, this is going to be a real test. I Fields has all the talent. It's just going to be a real test of how badly can you know a bad organization mess up a good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, Lance, we'll yeah, I mean, you gotta love the Lance support system there. Um, to me, you know, for a guy who you feel like maybe he's a little more raw because you didn't get to see him last year, though he did play as many starts as uh, as Mac Jones. Uh, you think the system over there in San Francisco and the creativity of Kyle Shanahan should help him a great deal. And, you know, look, it's a very clear, if you listen to this podcast, this is probably not the podcast for you if you're a New England fan really excited about Mac Jones. Um, but here's what I will say. I do feel like, you know, Belichick going to get a saving guy, which is something we've seen him do often, if there is one, if there is an upside that I do see for Mac Jones in New England, and I've compared Mac Jones to Chad Pennington, and I don't, and like, it was, it was, facetious or not facetious but it was kind of like a backhanded compliment when we were talking about number three i think at number 15 if you drafted chad pennington i think you probably did pretty okay i think that's with around where the jets got him um chad is one of my favorite jets of all time he is my favorite jet of all time so take that information with, with however you want to take it but to me i i think that the one thing you'll see is is not a lot of quarterbacks not a lot of people can go to new england and understand the standard that's going to be asked of them on and off the field like the way Belichick kind of sets the tone. I think that they're, they're, the one positive you'll have is you'll have a young quarterback coming in who will not at all be shocked or surprised at the standard that will be demanded of him in New England. And if he has what it takes to rise his game and continue to improve, then maybe the sky is the limit for him and he can end up being star quarterback because we know Belichick he knows how to put together a great staff we know he he knows how to put together a great system and to insulate a quarterback I mean you know we could talk about all the years with Brady but he did have that one year where he had Matt Castle who was a backup who came in and played great ball so I you know I, I don't think that it's all you know bad for Mac Jones I think he's, he's he landed actually in a pretty good spot for him I, I like this position for him at 15 with New England 100 times better than he was asked to be the savior in San Francisco. I thought that that would have been a nightmare. It's funny. I was, I was, Rob mentioned the Patrick Mahomes draft and, you know, how he last said his grade in Mahomes. And it's funny because I actually last week went back and listened to our draft podcast from that year's draft. 
going into the podcast mm-hmm. and or going into draft. Yeah, going rather going into the draft yeah. and uh, I mean, look, he, he, he Rob's telling the truth. Another none of us were high on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I was talking about look, I mean, John Kaiser and Patrick Mahomes. That's a real question. <laughs> oh and boy, that that was tough. But what was hilarious uh, about that was the 49ers were at the top of that draft as well. And <laughs> EJ was like, you know, where should the 49ers go with this? At the time, it was the second pick. When it'll be the third pick. And it all, it all, it seemed like they were going to go with Solomon Thomas, and all three of us unanimously were like, "This is a, this is a mistake." You know, <laughs> EJ was like, "I just, I don't know about you guys, but I just don't see it with this, with this Solomon <laughs> Thomas guy. He, he looks like a solid, solid starter, maybe a ten-year starter, but just not an All-Pro at all." You know, I, I mentioned you got to go with Jamal Adams or Leonard Fournette. EJ, EJ agreed and said the same thing. EJ asked Rob at the time. You know, where do you have him ranked on your board? And Rob's like, I, I have him 18th on my board. So I, I don't think this is a good fit. So, you know, again, we talk about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. You know, they don't appreciate always... you. Appreciate you, Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> Kendall doing the, doing the homework, letting the people know who they're listening to. We may have been wrong on Mahomes, oh, but we weren't wrong on Solomon Thomas. Absolutely. <laughs> Gotta let the people know. I love it. Um, let's talk about the wide receivers, guys. So, uh, you know, wide receivers were a big, were all the big talk besides the quarterbacks going into coming into this draft. We were wondering how high they would go. They turned out that they ended up going pretty early in the first round. So, Jamar Chase, once again, another wide receiver back with his guy. Um, here you have him reuniting with former LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, who was selected first overall last year. Chase goes fifth this season. Jalen Waddle then uh, is back with Tua Tagovailoa in Miami. He goes sixth. And then the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Devontae Smith, also from Alabama, he goes 10 to Philly after they made that trade to move up a spot there. Uh, I'll go to Sham first. Which which team do you think got the best value for the receiver they took? Uh, the best value? Um, uh, well, just because he's my favorite receiver, probably just Devontae Smith. Uh, so I think the Eagles have a superstar like a legit like superstar Hall of Fame potential, Gold Jacket wow. potential. Devontae wow. Smith is he impressed me so much last season. And I just I love his story about how he no one thought he could play. Everyone said he was too small. Everyone says he's too every today everyone says they he's still too say small. he's too small, yeah. yeah. They still say he's too small. Everyone still says he's too small. He's too small. He doesn't run fast enough. You know, he's not he's not burning guys, even though he's burning guys. <laughs> so I think the Eagles. I think this is a this is a home run for the Eagles. Devontae Smith is going to be an amazing football player. I think this is my personal opinion. Um, so I, I I think this is a home run for the Eagles. Uh, I think Jalen Hurts was given quite the weapon to play with. Um, so I'm going to be interested in watching a lot of Eagles football this season. Mm. All right, this is quite the endorsement for uh, Devontae Smith. Uh, Rob, how do you see it shaking out with the value of these receivers? Uh, I think that the Eagles had a home run pick with Devontae Smith. Um, I don't, I can't argue with that at all. But the best value is Jamar Chase. And mm-hmm. I thought about this a lot, and, and I haven't necessarily been super high on um, any of these three receivers when you know, you're comparing them to your Calvin Johnsons, your Julio Jones, um, you know, the grade I had for Des Bryant when he came out, um, A.J. Green. 
Um, I, I kind of just thought, you know, I, I've been having trouble, you know, adjusting to like, this new world where the smaller receivers, you know, that, you know, don't have to be burners, don't have to be strong, you know, are able to, to really dominate. Um, but after the draft, I just thought about it because I thought that the Bengals should take Sewell. I had Kyle Pitts as, you know, really my best offensive weapon in this draft. And, and I just kept thinking about, I just feel like Jamar Chase is going to, he's going to just have 1200 yards and 10 touchdowns as a rookie. And, and I might be underselling him. And I, I don't know if he does that for the next six years, you just want that on your team. Uh, it, I, the, drafting him first, you know, six picks between him and Devonta Smith. I kind of think that it's still the best value. Wow. And it's funny because, you know, we talked about Chase and Kendall, that, that, that spot at five and how polarizing it was because, you know, I think you and I, um, I may be higher, a little bit higher on Chase than you, but you and I both feeling like, man, after what you saw with the catastrophe of what happened to Joe Barrow and his knee, you think that you have to go offensive line. So seeing them take Chase, what do you make of that value and the rest of these guys in terms of the value that was taken with these receivers? Um, if you're asking me, you know, which one of these teams uh, hit on the best value at the position of uh, receiver, uh, I'm going to say pass. Uh, no, um, <laughs> you know, honestly, if you're talking about the first round, I think the I think the team that had the best value at receiver is the Baltimore Ravens taking Rashad Bateman at mm. 27. But wow. um, mm-hmm. if we're playing the game of these three teams, uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles um, and not as much because uh, I do like Devontae Smith. And I do, I agree that I think the gap between him and Jamar Chase is not huge. Um for that number one receiver. Uh, I think they're both real, like, traditional number one alpha receivers. I think they could be at the NFL level. Um, But the Eagles had a true need at receiver. They had a true need at receiver. Uh, If you looked at the players that were at the board, I think they made the intelligent move to move ahead of the Giants and get Devontae Smith. Because if you don't, now you're you're talking about that second crop of receivers. You're talking about having to trade down like the Giants did. Kadarius Tony didn't doesn't fit on their team right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like Rashad Bateman, so maybe you're getting Rashad Bateman, but I don't know if Rashad Bateman is an absolute slam dunk number one. I I'm pretty certain, or at least I'm pretty, you know, I, I I'm pretty positive or I'm pretty confident that Devontae Smith can be that. So, um, so I liked that move by Howie Roseman to move up to get Devontae Smith. But to me, the other teams, I like Jamar Chase probably a little bit better than Devontae Smith, but. It's just tough for me because when you have a receiving core, it's not it's not spectacular uh, by any means. Obviously, you lost AJ Green, uh, which you're not you're not too <laughs> you're not too heartbroken about that. But um, we saw T Higgins play really good last year. We saw uh, Tyler Boyd at times have a lot of good moments. He's a he's a he's a very solid number two. You probably don't want him to be your number one, um, and now he's your number two. And I mean, their receiving core now is you know you could I don't it know if loaded. I would go as far as saying. Because we don't know who Jamar Chase is, but he's they're they're certainly top five, top I mean top ten, top fifteen in the NFL. But the question to me is just value. You know, are you drafting a receiver that high when you have such a such a glaring need at on the offensive line, and you've got 
in my in my in my in my determination, an elite offensive line, an elite offensive tackle prospect in Penny Sewell at there at number five. If the, if the Falcons take Penny Sewell, I'm fine with the Jamar Chase pick. If the Jets would have taken Penny Sewell, I'm fine with the Jamar Chase pick. I don't. If it was Rashawn Slater, you know, I can you can sell me on maybe taking. Uh, Jamar Chase over Rashawn Slater. To me, Penny Sewell, that is, that's a tougher one for me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not... So, like, the issue with the Bengals pick is the player, a little bit more about the, 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 the position um, rather than the player, I should say. Uh, the Dolphins pick, to me, is a little bit more about the player. I'm just not personally as high on Jalen Waddle. Um, I think he is more of a gadget player. Uh, at the next level, um, a guy that if Jacksonville, for example, would have taken him, you know, like they want to carry Tony, or if, you know, a team like Arizona would have taken uh, Jalen Waddle. I mentioned that before the draft, like, or, you know, if, if Arizona gets Jalen Waddle, like, that's not going to be as bad as Miami getting him. Um, they ended up getting Rondale Moore, which is excellent value at the yeah. receiver pitch. His second round, like, he does exactly what they need. Jalen Waddle would have given them a similar player. But Jalen Waddle in Miami, to me, like, that's a team that needs – they need twitch and they need speed on offense. They need pop on offense. They didn't have that last year. You've got Devontae Parker. You've got Mike Kosicki. Um, I mean, they've got Jakeem Grant, who is, you know, a, uh, a speedster, but, you know, he's just not – he's not a, not a guy you want on the field all the time. And they had – I mean, they, had, they were playing two quarterbacks, Lynn Bowden – and Malcolm Perry, two guys who were college quarterbacks last year, <laughs> they were rookies, two converted receivers, yeah. uh, playing a lot of snaps for them last year. So that shows you that the mess that the that the receiver room was in Miami. So it's not that they didn't need a, re- a, a, a receiver, but I think they needed a true number one, a guy who can be a high-volume target kind of receiver. Tua didn't really have that. Like, again, you have Devontae Parker, who – it's good. I, yeah, I think he's, he's good. To board and, you know, he can be a, a a really good number two, but he's injury prone. You know, yes, he sir. missed he missed time last year. And when he wasn't there, you know, it, it was really shaky for that for that for that receiving room. Um, you've got again, you've got Mike Gesicki, who's a really good tight end, but I would have taken Devontae Smith there. Uh, I would no, honestly, I would have taken Penny Sewell. You know, just get that get that mm-hmm. out of the way. Like that, their offensive line is also a mess. Yeah. And we saw them, you know, try to address that at times. But, like, uh, to me, when you're trading Eric Flowers, I thought that meant, all right, now we're getting, we're getting Penny Sewell. You're trading Eric Flowers and you don't draft Penny Sewell. I, that surprised me. For a team that I thought did pretty well on draft this draft weekend, mm-hmm. uh, with some of their other moves, I love the Jalen Phillips pick. But I just can't get over passing on Penny Sewell for Jalen Waddle, a guy who I don't, Really love the fit, but I think they just said to themselves, "Look, Tua was so dominant in the deep ball at, at Alabama and in the vertical passing game, they didn't, they didn't, they had nobody on the team that could take advantage of it. So, yeah. getting guy like Jalen Waddle, you're saying, look, we're gonna give Tua the kind of athletes and the kind of guys he had at Alabama. We'll see what kind of player Jalen Waddle is and if he can be a number of guy. But I have my questions." But yeah, Rashad, I'd love, I'd love to jump in here real like quick. Like Jefferson was last year, don't be surprised. Like if he's the guy we're talking about, is having, <laughs> having had oh, the the, cool. the all pro rookie year or the the Pro Bowl rookie year, I think it, it's probably gonna be Rashad Bateman. 
Did you gonna say Rob? I, I just want to jump in in case four years from now we're doing a podcast and Kendall wants to bring up some old takes. Uh, <laughs> I had Penny Sewell is the best grade I've ever given an offensive lineman um, since I've been like doing my own grades. Um, I have no idea what the value of a starting left tackle is as opposed to like you know five years ago when that guy gets debated with Trevor Lawrence for going number one. Yeah. And three, uh, trading Eric Flowers should have no bearing on any other roster decision you have. You just take it as a win that you have traded Eric Flowers. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the record here. <laughs> Shout I mean, out to the Kings, DJ. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, not not necessarily one of our best there, but uh, you know, last thing on Waddle for me, you know, I wonder if Waddle is in some ways kind of the Tyree Kill effect, and I'm not trying to diminish Waddle oh, as a player because Waddle is when he's healthy a stud, but to me, you know, Kendall mentioned kind of a gadget player, like like. I, I, I kind of I, I, like it's, I, I, I'm stuttering to even agree, but I get what he's saying because it's like this is not the kind of receiver you would ever see go in the top 10. This reminds me he's a different kind of player, but this reminds me when Ted Ginn went in the top 10. And it was like, wow, that guy went in the top 10. Like we know how we know how explosive he is, but like but like how but like that that's not the kind of guy that goes top 10 normally. Go ahead, Kendall. <laughs> you know, I was going to say we went over the history of this. I believe we went over last week, but like the receivers that get drafted high in the first round, like again, you, like you can, you, there are guys like Waddle that have gone in the top ten early. Guys in that archetype, you know, he reminds me of Cordero Patterson in general. Like that's the player, that's the comp that I have for Jalen Waddle. But like in terms of like the guys that tend to go in the top ten, there are there have been guys like that. Uh, I think about you mentioned Ty Ginn. Uh, I think about. Darius Hayward Bay. I think about mm. Troy Williamson in mid- mm. going to Minnesota. Uh, I think about John Ross. Mm. And, I, and then most recently, I think about Henry Rooks. And how many of those guys ended up being ended up being really good? Yeah, now, or again, at the very least, worth that top 10 pick. Worth the top I think we were being pick. a little disrespectful at some points in that, in that list. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, <laughs> Jalen Waddle may not be Troy Williamson. <laughs> the one thing I will say is I feel I feel like, I feel like Waddle had the the I mean I think he's a better talent than most of the guys that were mentioned. Like I I feel like all the guys you just mentioned I hated all those picks when they happened. But what I will say is like like the guys who aren't Julio Jones and aren't AJ Green they look more like Waddle than they look like Julio Jones. You know what I'm saying? Like so yeah. so that is interesting. I'm not saying it, it means that this won't work out and he won't be a stud, but I, the reason why I brought it up because I like I said a Tyree Hill effect because my thing is man maybe this will be great like maybe we like I'm a dinosaur and I'm just like the game has changed like now you do need the guys who are just these crazy I mean Nick Saban says he's like Allen Iverson he's just like a guy who can just do just things that other people can't do on the football field just throw the ball up to him he can jump he's a 40s vertical he can take the ball uh, on the punt return and go 100 yards or he can take you know, reverse and go 100 yards. Like, and again, who does that in the NFL today? Tyree Hill. It's like maybe people realizing that those are the kind of guys that are winning right now in the game to me is way more predicated on your ability to make the big play in the passing game um, and the explosive play in the passing game more so than the move the chains consistently. I know the the Bucks won Super Bowl and that's how they kind of play. 
But finding those explosive, quick twitch guys seem to be like the thing right now. And why do I think maybe he benefited from that in this draft? It doesn't mean he won't be a superstar, but I think him going six, he just is not the kind of player that would have went six, even five years ago, I think. Um, I think that he benefited from that a great deal. Uh, I do want to talk some defense because I know we've spent almost an hour and a half on offense and Aaron Rodgers, but uh, uh, there wasn't a defensive player take. There wasn't a defensive player taken in the first round until pick number eight when Carolina took J.C. Horn. I go to I go to Rob on this one first. Uh, which defender taken in the first round do you expect to have the biggest impact? So, uh, spoiler alert, J.C. Horn was my number one ranked defender. Uh, oh. I saw him rising late, and I just kind of fell in love with him in a way where, you know, Patrick Sertan kind of gave you that steady, you know, A-minus, like, B-plus type pro, going to have a really long career. And I'm like, yeah, J.C. Horn might, like, maybe he just plays press and he's not going to be able to cover anybody. But I, I kind of just, just fell in love with him. And, and that's not always... You know when I do my best work grading wise, but I really kind of kind of just fell in love with the way J.C. Horn played uh, and his aggressiveness. So if if that's you know sticks together, I think that the Panthers will um, you know justify using him as the first defensive player off the board. But um, putting that aside, like just because I don't want to pick you know the guy who drafted first as the uh, this would have been much better if he got if he was you know drafted in the late <laughs> teens, and I could say this. Yeah. Um, I really love. I really kind of like Quiddy Pay. Um, this draft just didn't have a pass rusher that uh, that I really, you know, fell in love with or thought was going to have like you know a 15 sack career. And after we've had a kind of a, a couple of drafts in a row that have had really high level pass rushers, um, but Quiddy Pay just he looks to me like a guy who's going to be um, a solid pro and someone's going to be like, oh, he never even had 10 sacks in a season, but he keeps getting eight and he just. I bet you PFF by the time he's in his third, fourth year, you know, was grading him as one of the better run, uh, run stopping defensive ends, and uh, you know they'll they'll decline his fifth year option and he'll move to some other team, and I'll be being like, you know, could he pay? You know, that's a great pickup for whatever it is, like you know, uh, the three year, you know, eighteen million dollar contract. I'm like, that's the best player you could get for a three year, eighteen million dollar contract. So. Uh, hopefully he uh, he develops into a little bit more than that, but I, I just kind of love it, and I feel like I'm going to be standing for him in five years to to whatever team that I like at the time to sign him. Sham, what about what about you? Are there any defensive players that you uh, look at and know? You know, the Packers took Eric, Eric Stokes late in the first round, or the other guys <laughs> that you see. Um, right. Don't remind defense. me. <laughs> Sorry, I mean I just had to bring it up considering the Packers did take a defensive player, but um. Are there any defenders that you look at as guys who would be uh, big impact players? Uh, hopefully Eric Stokes. <laughs> so, I can tell you the one guy I'm hoping is an impact player for us for sure. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I love Micah Parsons. I, I, I think that Micah Parsons can definitely have an impact. Um, I mean, he is – I mean, he's just one of those kind of freakish kind of beasts players especially particularly linebackers mm-hmm. i feel like i feel like linebackers um i feel like having those those really like dominant linebackers can really it can really change how a team really transform a defense it can yeah. really transform a defense to like a next level like defense so i feel like um 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I really like him, and I think he'll he'll. I th- I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be an All Pro on the Cowboys. I'd be shocked if he wasn't. Honestly, he just just in terms of his physicality and how how fast he is, how athletic he is, how much of a how much tenacity he plays with. I I it would shock me if he wasn't. So so I definitely gotta say Michael Parsons here. Yeah, Parsons, uh, unbelievable athlete. Didn't get to play this year. Maybe a little raw, but. Uh, you can't deny the guy's speed, um, you know, end to end and shooting the gaps. He's a uh, certainly got a lot to work with there. And they just um, they didn't uh, extend or they didn't pick up the option for Vander Esch, who I know has had injury issues. Sean Lee retired, so linebacker defense is a whole issue for the Cowboys, but linebacker definitely going to be a hole they were looking to fill. What about you, Kendall? Uh. Yeah, I mean, look, this was not a great defensive draft. I already mentioned I like the Jalen Phillips pick in Miami. Um, you know, they, they got by in Miami with a lot of, uh, on defense, with a lot of B-level talents. You know, I mean, obviously, Zayvon Howard uh, and Byron Jones, who didn't have the best season last year, but that, that was it's a really good corner tandem. Um, but in the front seven, you know, they, they, they got by with a lot of guys. I mean, Shaq Lawson... And, you know, Emmanuel Agba, you know, were guys who were kind of failed, failed first round picks, you know, or failed, failed high end draft picks who uh, found their way in Miami cheap and were able to give them good production. But uh, they, they getting a guy like Jalen Phillips, who was, a, who was a, a mega talent who just, you know, dealing with obviously he has the, the, the injury history and the, uh, you know, the lack of the lack of snaps. Uh, to his name, um, and he's not going to be a he's not going to be a high sack guy. Um, uh, it will actually be interesting to see where do they play him in that defense. Is he going is he going to be uh, playing um, on the line, or is he going to be uh, or they going to try and move him to a linebacker? But uh, to me, I think the 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 defensive player that I'm most intrigued by uh, it's two linebackers, and it's not Michael Parsons. Um, Michael Parsons is an interesting fit in Dallas. You know, we'll see whether, um, you know, he can help that defense. It will certainly help them in terms of stuffing the run and in terms of getting to the quarterback because he's an excellent, excellent pass rusher for a linebacker, uh, given his background as a pass rusher or as an edge. Um, He's an excellent run stuffer. He's just, you know, the problem is just going to be, you know, in the passing game. You know, does their coverage get any better with Michael Parsons? Obviously, they had their their eye on two corners who ended up not being on the board. Mm-hmm. But um, the two that I'm paying attention to are Zayvon Collins going to Arizona and, and Jeremiah Wusu Karamoa, who I mentioned, you know, in our pre, in our pre-draft show is my favorite linebacker in this draft. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fell, you know, all the way to the what, late yeah. second round. Yeah. Was um, and look, my guy, Andrew Berry, uh, you know, who was, who was in Philadelphia, he, uh, has done an excellent job right now as that general manager in Cleveland. Um, the word on Owusu Karamoli that he had a he had a heart issue that teams were were concerned about, but and that was that was the major reason why he fell. Um, there are some concerns about you know his size. Yeah, he's, he's a smaller guy, and we saw with Isaiah Simmons when you have a linebacker who doesn't have a kind of a true position, you know you get lost in the shuffle. Um, to me, a lot of that's going to come down to scheme. A lot of that's going to come down to coaching. Uh, and we'll see what kind of impact Owusu Karamoa will have on a defense that was, you know, already pretty solid. 
But to me, the Zayvon Collins thing is interesting because what I love about the Zayvon Collins pick is that, look, again, you got you already got Isaiah Simmons last year. Um, you bring in Zayvon Collins now. You brought in J.J. Watt. You brought it. You, you obviously already have Chandler Jones. While the Cardinals have issues in the secondary, they have issues at corner. Lose Patrick Peterson. Uh, they signed Malcolm Butler, but that's not a, that's not exciting anybody. Um, it, it, they, I feel like now their defense. Cliff Kingsbury is doing what EJ mentioned earlier about guys like Rex Ryan, um, you know, who go in or Mike Zimmer as a Vikings fan who drafts a corner every year, essentially like he's <laughs> like, he's come in and said, look, I am good on offense. You guys got me Hawkins. I got my guy, Murray. I, you know, we got around more in the second round, which is great, but I'm good on offense. I don't need to trade up to get Kyle Pitts. Like some people were suggesting, yeah, I don't need right. to trade up to get Jalen Waddle. They're already good on offense. They're a good enough offensive team to win yeah. football games, to win football games in the playoffs. Yeah. They're a good yeah. enough offensive team. It's about getting, stops and and protecting the quarterback those are those are the two those are the two major issues for the cardinals i think they can feel like protecting the quarterback isn't gonna be as big of a concern when you have a guy like Murray who can maybe extend plays you know you kind of don't want him sitting behind the offensive line anyway because he's you know five five ten five nine but that defense now with david collins and isaiah simmons you're talking about two freakish athletes you know david collins uh, six four, six five, guy who can play on the you know if they're running that they're running that three four, he can play on the outside, he can play on the inside if you need him to. Um, I think this is gonna be I think I think you know I I don't I don't love Zayvon Collins like I think him and Michael Parsons uh were similar in terms of you know a great perspective, but and I I like the Wusu Caramel a little bit better, but you can't. Overlap with Ulusu Caramelo and Simmons, especially when Simmons had all his roles he had. Like the Cardinals drafting Ulusu Caramelo would have been uh, probably a disaster. But mm. getting uh, getting Zayvon Collins to me, uh, that's a move that I think makes sense, um, and it just improves the talent level of that defense, which is something they needed uh, tremendously. Yeah, I think it improves the athletic profile of the defense too. You know, um, yeah, they lost Hassan Reddick, Chandler Jones coming off a major injury, so linebacker was certainly an issue for the Cardinals coming into this offseason. Um, I'll tell you what, I think for me, and I don't I don't know exactly what his medical situation is, so maybe it's unfair to say he'll be most impactful without knowing that. But, I mean, Caleb Farley going 22 to Tennessee, uh, Caleb Farley to me is a top 10 talent. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, six foot two, long, rangy, athletic, great ball skills. To me, just the kind of corner I think Mike Vrabel will want in that kind of defense. Uh, Dory Jackson didn't really work out. He wasn't cutting it, so they, they released him. Um, you know, Christian Fulton had an injury last year, and they lost uh, Malcolm Butler and Desmond King, two guys who I'm not really sure you really, you know, Malcolm Butler is getting up there in age. I'm not sure you want that kind of guy starting. Uh, we'll see if Farley's ready to play for this season, but I just feel like, the sky's the limit in terms of his his potential as a as a, as a ball hawk at that corner position. You know, I got to see him play a little bit in the ACC, obviously following the Miami Hurricanes. And to me, he was there was no doubt a top flight corner when I watched him play. Um, so getting him at twenty two, he's a he's a player I'm gonna keep an eye on. 
I, I think that that was a really good value. And I think that if you told him by the end of all this, he ended up being the most impactful defensive player in this draft. Would not isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how, like, you, you, it's funny how like, you'll watch the draft and there will be a guy like 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 Rob mentioned, Quee Pei, who he really likes. EJ mentions Caleb Farley. Um, you know, I mentioned Owusu Karamoa and, um, you know, you think about even a guy like Dylan Moses, who people really liked coming into the draft. And these guys just fall. Like, you know, I mean, I, we, me and EJ really love Brevin Jordan, tight end out of Miami. Yeah. Some of these guys just fall. And sometimes you know why going in. Like, Jalen Phillips is obvious. Caleb Farley like, is obvious. You knew these guys had injury issues going in. But, like, a guy like Quiddy Pay or a, or, or a uh, Usu Karamoa, they have, they have issues that you don't know about that these teams know about. And you see just a guy sliding again, you're just thinking, man, these teams are just idiots. Like, why would you? <laughs> well, right. You know, why is Brevin Jordan going behind Trey McKitty, you know, at the tight end position? <laughs> you know, yeah. but, like, but, you know, these teams have, you know, they have information that we don't, you know. So it's, yeah. just, it's always fascinating to find out, you know, oh, yeah, Quiddy Pay has got, had a, had a had a heart issue that teams didn't know about or, or that teams weren't sure about, you know, or Owusu Karamoa, you know, has a, has a heart issue that teams aren't, weren't sure about. Like, as much as, you know, you can do with the film, you know, you can be a better player on film, almost a subjectively better player. But if you have the medical thing, you know, that changes everything. And sometimes we don't even know it. I know. It's, so it's, it's, yeah, no, I think that that makes this whole process interesting because we're we have a lot of information because you can watch any of these games pretty much. And like with YouTube and how many people track this stuff. I mean, you want to know, learn about these guys. You can learn about these guys and have a pretty great educated opinion on them in this day and age. Maybe you couldn't do that maybe 10 years ago, but it's kind of different now. Uh, but then there is that extra level. And Kendall, you being in a you know, football organization, knowing that they have that extra level as well, it just makes it all very interesting. Uh, we're coming to the end here. We talked about a lot, even though uh, we haven't gotten to a lot of the actual draft because there's so much to get in. But I do want to give us a time to kind of quickly go through some of the more macro things from here uh teams you were you were impressed by in this draft rob were there certain teams or even one team if there's only one team that you look at and say wow this team did a really good job this uh this past weekend i mean uh in terms of one team i i love what um what the detroit lions did I think that this is probably one of the teams that has the furthest to the furthest to go in terms of you know where they want to be and, and what the build schedule is. You know, teams that draft a quarterback round are going to have you know you know up you know moved up their process for getting back into the playoffs. So I think that the Lions probably are looking at next year's draft um, before they start that process, but they got. You know, Penny Sewell, who I, you know, I already talked about being, you know, kind of a transformational, you know, type prospect. Um, and, you know, after that, you know, just they did things that made sense with the culture of the team. Now, I don't love Dan Campbell, and I'm not sure that I love the culture he's trying to build, but it, it really <laughs> does make sense. It really does make sense. You know, he's got guys, you know, he's got tough guys, um, you know, the two D tackles, like they know what they want to be. I love uh, you know, Melifon, the cornerback out of Syracuse. They got in round three. Yes, um, you know, I think he was probably worthy of you know a top forty, top fifty type pick. Um, you know, and they just kind of they kind of added just around the piece uh, pieces around the edges, like 
Amon Ross St. Brown, who I think, you know, he's not going to replace Kenny Galladay, but, you know, he's the type of guy who, who I think, you know, he gives you a couple decent seasons, um, you know, while you're looking to solidify, you know, that, that receiving or, and hopefully you do your high end player. He sticks around as, as a number two or number three type guy. So I just, just think that they are, they're on the right. They, they, I'm not sure that they're on the right path, but I think they're on the path they want to be on. Does that make sense? I think it does. Cause you know, identity is everything. And um, if you don't have an identity, I don't think you got a chance. So I think, Regardless of what we think of what the Lions are doing um, or their identity as of right now, uh, they're sticking to it. I agree. I thought the I thought the Lions had a really good day. I mean, maybe some of that's luck with Penny Sewell, but as I told Kendall and Jamar, we were texting during the draft. I mean, I was like, look, man, the Lions in the past would have did something crazy at that seventh pick. They would have drafted Devontae Smith. Yeah, they would have they would have something crazy. And like, and to me, like Dan Campbell from that staff looked like the kind of staff that was ready to do some crazy ish. So I was waiting for it. So when I saw they just took the best player available and a guy who, by all accounts, should be a 10-year starter, I was like, wow, Lions making sense. And then I agree. I think the corner from Syracuse, uh, the guy is 6'3", you know, 210. You know, I mean, just a, 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 a freakish kind of athlete and and and, and just certainly had the, the, the potential to be a starter. And you get him in the third round. I, I just I really thought the Lions did a really solid job. Uh Kendall, what do you think in terms of teams you like this draft? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I, I agree with you guys on the on the Detroit Lions. Um, you know, you guys, uh, you guys know I was talking about Melon Fanwu uh, before this draft, and I was talking yeah. about Penny Sewell. Like those were two guys that I was yeah. like, man, you know, it's particularly the Penny Sewell thing. I just find it interesting how, you know, like Rob has him so high, you know, amongst you know the history of line prospects that you've that he's graded and he he did that as a sophomore you know as a guy who was 19 years old he didn't do that as a senior you know there's been so many line prospects typically those guys stay four years maybe three but this guy did it as a sophomore we didn't even see the 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 full version of penny Sewell. so that's that that to me is what makes it uh makes him such a special player but uh, i was talking about other teams that that i thought had a really good draft um uh, I really liked what the Baltimore Ravens did. You know, I mentioned uh, the Rashad Bateman pick. You know, I thought that, that that's a guy that could wind up being the best receiver in this draft next season. Um, you know, the Ravens needed a, they need a true number one receiver. And I don't know if Rashad Bateman is going to be like, uh, you know, a, a real number one. But playing next to Hollywood Brown, um, you know, obviously they brought in they had Duvernay last year as well. Uh, you've got Mark Andrews, and that team is not going to rely on the passing game. Like we know, they're not going to rely on the passing game, but they needed weapons. So you bring in Rashad Bateman. Not only Rashad Bateman, but you draft Tylen Wallace as well, who also is another good outside receiver. Um, that to me seems like a good a, a good start. And then you also get uh Jason Owe, who now goes by Odafe Owe, um, and and Sean Wade. You know who? Yeah. I, look, I mean Sean Wade. Yeah. It's a tough evaluation because really, I he had a really rough end to his career. Yeah, I don't know if I, I, I like, I don't know what to. I, I mean, everything on film last year was awful, so I, I can't really say I'm super excited about it, Sean Wade. But the value, you know, look, maybe he just had a bad season. If he had a bad season and he's the guy that people thought he was coming out, uh, you know, the year before, 
Because uh, if he opts out, he would have been a first-round pick. Maybe he would have been a bust. I don't know. But um, getting him, getting the value, look, it's a high upside play. So I, 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 I like that play from uh, Baltimore as well. Um, and one more team I, I'm going to shout out. Uh, I liked, I liked what the, um, I liked what the Buffalo Bills did, uh, getting Greg Rousseau and Boogie Basham. Uh, you got two pass rushers for a team that now that's a team where look, you have a defensive coach and that guy is saying, look, give me some give guys. Me some guys. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. Cause you know, that offense, uh, with, with Brian Dayball calling the shots, did an excellent job last year. You've got Josh Allen. They got him, uh, Stephon Diggs, um, and they took a step up. But you take, you get a high upside guy in Greg Russo, who um, didn't play last year, uh, coming out or when he opted out, was a guy that people thought was going to be a top five pick or a top ten pick, almost guaranteed. Yeah, He didn't play, and now he goes 27. Now, look, maybe people dug into the tape. Uh, I don't know if that's why he fell. Um, you know, there are, there, you know, it's subjective. You know, you could say there are some issues with Greg Rousseau, but I do wonder if there's other stuff. You know, obviously his pro day, he, you know, clearly wasn't in uh, supreme shape. You know, he clearly didn't have the most impressive pro day. <laughs> uh, and you have other questions about, you know, about Greg Rousseau when, you know, he's a younger player. But when you, well, you, you put him in Baltimore or you put him in Buffalo, uh, and then you pair him with Carlos Basham. Now I feel like you're 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 cooking with gas if you're if you're that team uh, with Sean McDermott in that defense. What about you, Sham? Uh, teams you were impressed by? Uh, I mean, I I would say, and this is a team I quite a bit of last year, surprisingly enough. Um, uh, but the Browns. I I think the Browns. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there's the Jets, who we mentioned before. Obviously, I, I thought the Jets did a great job in this draft. I also think Cleveland did a great job in this draft. I mean, this is a team that's that's ready to win now. Yes. And, and it's always it's always good to see when you see these teams that are that are winning now, and then they have a great draft. And I think Cleveland's one of those teams, and it's just funny that that the draft was in Cleveland. But I think those fans had a lot to be very excited for. Um, I mean, they got a lot of very good defensive talent. They got some interesting offensive guys. I mean, they got Anthony Schwartz. Look out for Anthony Schwartz, uh, who's kind of just a burner. You know, uh, so. hey, look, he, look. I mean, you even <laughs> dropped him in the top ten. Isn't that great? He were the four two, and he didn't go in the top ten. But also, what's great about Anthony Schwartz is that he's a raw receiver. Like, look, he's just a track star, which is fine. But he's going to a team that's got two elite. That's what level, I'm saying. like in terms of skill level receivers, That's and Odell saying, right? and Jarvis Landry. They're ready to yeah. win now. So they're already winning. If you're talking about developing that player, exactly. Yep. Like, yeah, he's not the you're not the most ready made receiver right now. But he doesn't have to be. But you go, you're going to practice with Odell and, <laughs> and Jarvis Landry. You're gonna pick up a few things. Yeah, so, right. and he's got the physical tools. So, you know, I think look, he's not he's not the guy. He wasn't he wasn't the best receiver in college, college football last year. But I think they're saying mm-hmm. himself. You know, if we teach, if we can teach him how to play, you know, this guy can really help us. Yeah, yep. I mean, they got a ton of guys on defense too. So i I think the Browns, um, I think the Browns are a team to look to definitely a team to look out for. Um, you know, even after their run last year, they're still kind of being overshadowed and ignored, right? No one's talking yeah, about. And that's it. the quarterback, and you know, it's the it's quarterback. The quarterback people just aren't I mean, gonna whether whether you like Baker or not, or you know whether you think he's good or not. Like a lot of people just don't like Baker Mayfield. So a lot just, of people just don't like Baker. You know, I don't know. I I mean, I've from what I've seen from Baker so far, I haven't 
I mean, it's it, that's always the question. I I could I think you can win with Baker, which again, it doesn't mean I, I think he's like a you know a top ten or necessarily top five QB. Uh, but you can win with him, and I think he demonstrated that last year. Right. You can win with Baker. So they were like a play away. What, what, what were they? Weren't they like a play away, literally, last year? Didn't they almost beat a – almost beat a – who did Pittsburgh. they play? Yeah, Pittsburgh? Yeah. I mean – Well, they beat so, Pittsburgh. No, no, they beat Pittsburgh, yeah. Oh, no, yeah, they beat Pittsburgh. Who who was it? They lost to Kansas City. But they yeah, they, they, were in, they, were, they were in the game, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, almost, they, they, yeah, they, were, they were 100% in that game. So – so yeah, Cleveland is ready to win now, and they're getting pieces for that. And the Jets, who are kind of on the opposite side of the spectrum, they're not ready to win at all, but they're they're getting there. So I think those are the two teams I'm looking at. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, I I, I kind of liked what Carol. I know I mentioned I love Detroit. I think Rob had a good pick there. I love what the Jets did. A lot of these teams, I think we're all hitting on the same teams. Baltimore, I thought they did a really good job, but I also thought Carolina uh, did a really good job too. Um, it, there was maybe instinct to maybe go for a, a splashier player on offense to to combine with some of the pieces that they have now at San Donald's there. And they, they held firm and went with a, a corner, which they, they really needed badly. And J.C. Uh, Horn, certainly uh, a stud on that end. But then to me, it gets better as it goes down. Uh, Terrence Marshall, you know how I feel about him, Kendall. I guess apparently... I learned there was a medical issue with him and how he fell. Again, don't know, no, no surprise. Yeah, not, not something I didn't know, but uh, not something I knew. But the guy is 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 really good. And pairing him with Joe Brady again, Joe Brady thinks he can ball on the NFL level. He point where they they took him, that tells me a lot. So yeah. you got Marshall, you got Chuba Hubbard, you got Tommy Tremble, um, an offense that already has a lot of really good players. To me just got better to with guys who I think can come in and contribute. So uh, even Shai Smith in the sixth round, I mean, he was not, some people thought he was, uh, he, he would have been a much higher pick. So, I mean, Carolina is doing some things. I, last year I thought, um, I, I thought uh, their coach, you know, really you know, was, was, you know, he was restrained in terms of getting offensive guys. And he was restrained this year in the first round again, went defense, but Matt rule went, Offense for the really for the most majority of the rest of these picks, especially early on, and I thought he 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 picked up some really good players. I thought that they uh, did a really good oh, job. Yeah. I, 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 I thought the Giants low key also had a pretty good draft. You know, you know, finally, you know, Gettleman realized, hey man, trading down isn't the worst thing in the world, and he added value, and he still ended up getting guys he liked, which is why you should consider trading down. So uh, the Giants' offense like pop. You know, Kadarius Tony gives them that. And the Giants, when they've been great, have been able to rush the passer. They have been able to do that in recent years. Aziz Ujulari, there were times when he just was unblockable coming off the edge. And they're gonna they're playing that three four scheme now. If you're trying to find a perfect fit to be that just pin your ears back guy and just go, if there's gonna be a guy who's gonna make it as that kind of player, Ujulari's the guy. So um I thought the Giants did did a pretty good job too. I think Aaron Robinson also might be a decent player. Well, the, the 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 one of the things that Rob mentioned that I thought was 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 interesting was about that Lions. We talked about how they had a good draft, but what was so smart about what the Lions did, like Rob mentioned, was their timeline. They understood their timeline. They knew, like yeah, they they have a need at receiver. They have the probably the worst receiving core in the league, 
And they what they did this draft, they got Amon St. Amon Ross St. Brown. I, I like St. Brown, but he's not gonna not gonna transform the receiving board very much. You know, they have a need at quarterback. Jared Goff isn't getting anybody excited. Neither is David Blau. But they they understood the timeline and said, look, we can get Devontae Smith. We can get Justin Fields. I love both of those players. They're not doing a damn thing for the Detroit Lions right now. What they need to do is sit back and understand they're not going to be good next year and take pieces that in the long term you can win with five, six, seven years from now. Uh, and, and taking a guy like Penny Sewell is that guy. He's going to help the quarterback that you draft next year or the year after when this Jared Goff thing doesn't work. And I like Jared Goff, but it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's going to work. Um, so shout out to, to Brad Holmes. Shout out to Dan Campbell. But I just also real quick want to mention the Arizona Cardinals, who I mentioned with Zayvon Collins, but the, the Rondell Moore pick to me, you know, I, I talked about him last week. You know, one of my five favorite players in this draft. And, you know, I wanted him in Minnesota. But the fit in Arizona could not have been better for both parties. Uh, you're going to talk, you're talking about putting him in a place where, you know, we talked about how the Cardinals got nothing out of Isaiah Simmons because they know how to use him. Well, Cliff Kingsbury is an offensive, is an, is a, is a true offensive mind who's going to be able to get something out of a player like Rondell Moore who could have went to an offensive coach who couldn't get much out of, you know, because he kind of has to be used in a specific way. And that team needs that piece. He's one of the missing pieces on that offense. Besides some of the guys on the offense line, they need, they need, if they're going to run Cliff Kingsbury's run and shoot air raid offense, you're going to need, you need a guy like Rondell Moore, who is going to be one of the twitchiest, fastest, uh, freakish athletes in, in the NFL from day one. And that's what they lacked. They had Andy Isabella and Christian Kirk trying to do that last year. And those guys are just, those guys are a notch or two below what Rondell Moore is as an athlete. So while Rondell Moore has worked as a receiver, he's not, the, he doesn't have the greatest hands. You know, he's not 6'5". Like, he's got issues. But doing what he's going to be doing in Arizona, playing with Kyler and playing with DeAndre Hopkins, like, they they couldn't get Devontae Smith. I know people wanted them to get Devontae Smith, and he that wouldn't have been a great fit because you already have a high volume guy like De, like DeAndre Hopkins. But getting a guy like Rondell Moore in the second round and then still being able to help your defense, uh, true true job by uh, by uh, Steve Kahn and Cliff Kingsbury. Running out of time here, so I'll let you each go kind of rapid fire on this last one real quickly. A team that you thought missed the ball in this. Uh in this uh, draft. Rob first, quickly. Uh, I was very disappointed with the Giants for once again telegraphing their pick so badly that it was very simple to just jump one pick ahead of them and get their guy. (laughs) And they they move back, and everybody's clapping for them for moving back, and they get Kadarius Toney, and then you look at it and, like, Devontae Smith is so much better than Kadarius Toney that, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe they're Maybe the Giants are right, and Kadarius Tony ends up being the better player. But it, it's just another example of I feel like Dave Gettleman just not understanding the board or ha- how to do this whole draft process. And they trade back again. They leave a whole bunch of offensive linemen on the board. Maybe they got the right guys, but yeah, Dave Gettle- I think just Dave Gettleman just embarrassing himself again. <laughs> Different opposite ends of the spectrum for me and Rob on the Giants. Kendall, uh, team you thought missed the ball this weekend. 
Um, I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, again, wow. we talked about the Jamar Chase thing. Not, not nothing wrong with the player, but uh, um, you know that's a situation where if you're Joe Burrow saying go, go get my guy, you gotta tell him to sit down, son. You know, hey, you know, we got you here for a couple of years. Do a, do a Jordan Love, you know, if you're if that if it, if it takes that because they ran an offense last year with Zach with Zach Taylor as head coach that was it was so predicated on Joe Burrow just getting the ball out of his hands as fast as possible. Because they couldn't protect him, and so to 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 not draft Penny Sewell, and then to not only not draft Penny Sewell, but to think that drafting Jackson Carmen in round two was going to fix the issue or is going to fix the issue on the offensive line, um, I just I, I don't know I don't know how to help this team. Like some bad teams, I, you just can't can't worry about. You know I mean. Jamar Chase is going to be fun. He's going to sell tickets. <laughs> Penny Sewell is not going to sell tickets, but he's going to win you football games. Jamar Chase is going to win gonna, you football he's, games. He's going to keep your quarterback off the uh, injury list or the injury. He's going to keep your quarterback. You know what's great? You know, you know, you know. Look, uh, you have a quarterback coming off coming off a major knee injury, who's not going to be nearly as mobile as he once was, especially in year one. You know, it'd be great actually getting him a left tackle, whose name isn't Riley Reef. So yeah. Uh, massively bungled job by the Cincinnati Bengals. But what else is to do in the world of the NFL? Shane, what about you? Uh, what, what's the team that you thought didn't, didn't do well? Uh, I mean, I mean, there wasn't really, for me, there wasn't really too many teams that really jumped out where I was like, oh, this team did a bad job. I mean, because we don't, we don't really know too much. I mean, obviously there's a, there's a Cincinnati. I mean, that's kind of you know jumps out of you like, what are they doing? I mean, I know Kendall wasn't a big biggest fan of the Jalen Waddle. Um, uh, one thing I thought was funny. This is I guess this is a team I'll pick because I, I know they didn't they didn't do anything too massively impressive to me in this draft was uh, New Orleans. Yeah, and I know. Uh, yeah, I know Kendall. You Absol- uh, abs- if I had more time, I would have doubled up with Giants in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I know, uh, you know, I, I know, I, I know. I told Kendall about the Ian Book pick. Uh, oh yeah, Ian Book. Yeah, don't get me started on that pick. We all, we all uh, have very fond feelings about <laughs> Ian Book. No, we'll, we'll see what New Orleans. Uh, we'll see where they go. I mean, they just lost Drew Brees. They don't really know. You know, I'm sure a lot of New Orleans fans are pretty confused as to what the franchise is going to be yeah. going forward. But people thought Peyton Turner was going to go in like round three, and they drafted him in the first, first round. round. So yeah, I don't know. You don't know. You don't really know what New Orleans is doing, but <laughs> uh, but yeah, they yeah. didn't impress me in this draft. So I've had yeah, that yeah. New Orleans is like the new divorcee that doesn't know what to do with their life. So they, you know, they just bought a, a Volkswagen Beetle, and you know, they just, <laughs> they just, I don't know, it looks cool, you know. So yeah, we got Peyton Turner first round. I mean, you know, you know, small school guy, but we think he has potential. First round, eh? you could have got him in third round. Eh? Who cares? It'll be, it'll be all right. You know, we just trying to figure this whole thing out. That's what they look like to me with that with what they did. And even the, the the second pick, Werner, I was yeah, not sure. Werner was way higher. Yeah, people yeah, yeah, there was a lot of weird stuff going on in New Orleans. Uh, I would know, agree. They, yeah. I think they were sick of having the best roster in the NFL four years <laughs> running and not winning. It's like, we need to try something new. Let's go, let's go with bad, bad players. Yeah, it was, no it, was, it, was, it was suspect. And it was double suspect. up on Taysom Hill. <laughs> yeah, it was suspect over there. Um, For me, I guess, you know, I, I think that, you know, I disagree with the Giants, but I, I think the other picks I – I, I agree with 
Um, but the team we did not mention, I think, has to be mentioned. So, therefore, I'll go with them. And actually, New Orleans was my pick, champ. But to, to, to go with a second pick for me, it would be the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, Leatherwood, 17. You know, I know you need an offensive tackle. The guy you wanted wasn't there. I, I just don't see. I don't. I just don't see how Leatherwood becomes the guy there, especially when you don't even know if he can actually play tackle. Now you're concerned about him going inside. I. I just. I don't understand that one. That was a. Uh, that was tough. Um, the second round pick was great. I mean, I think. I think Mooring is is pretty good. You know, but uh, then they doubled up with with, with Kant in the third round. You know, like they just. I mean, their and, board just uh, seems to be all over the place. And it's with, funny because I mean, Las Vegas, and this is like every year with this team, it's something crazy with these early picks. It's funny because I was a little bit, I was like the reverse where I didn't, I didn't, I agree, I didn't like the Raiders draft at all either. But I actually could buy the the, the Leatherwood pick and let more a little more than the Morrig pick, and that's probably not conventional wisdom. I think most people would would have agreed with EJ on that regard, yeah. but. To me, because Borg is a high, certainly a higher-rated player, but I, I feel like, look, they felt they needed offensive line help. Again, they wanted Elijah Vera Tucker, and the Jets jumped on them, and, you know, jumped them, rather, and uh, they couldn't they, they couldn't get him. So they're like, look, we're just going to take the next best guard. You probably should have traded down if you're going to do that, but um, I, maybe they had intel that another team was going to draft Alex Leatherwood way higher than anybody had him projected. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe not the case, but I don't know. But the the problem with the Morig pick, and I believe Lewis Riddick might have mentioned it during the broadcast, but the problem with the Morig pick to me is that this is a team that has invested so much capital in the secondary uh, in the re- in recent years. That's you know, true. drafted Jonathan Abram. You know, they brought back, they drafted Carl Joseph, got rid of him, and brought him back. Um, you you drafted Damon Arnett last year way higher yeah. than anybody. I mean, the Raiders love doing that. Just drafting guys way higher than anybody has them graded. For whatever reason. Like, man, <laughs> you know, I mean, people are making fun of Mike Mayak now because, like, he's got way better as an analyst, clearly, than he was as a drafter. <laughs> but um, it, it's, you, 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 you draft so many, and you draft, when you draft, and you bring in so many guys in the secondary. I know the secondary was a mess. Yeah, it was, but I, it was bad though. That's a problem. <laughs> you know, it's like at some point you gotta, you gotta just like develop these guys. Yeah. You know, as, as instead of just using these high draft picks on the same positions every year, expecting yeah. these guys to 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 do better. So look, I, again, I, I I don't hate the more pick, but this was also a team that I mentioned on our show last uh, last, uh, last week. EJ asked me what was what's the team fit player team fit that you want to see the most and I was like Jeremiah Lucy Caramoa and Vegas. Yeah. And the Raiders passed on at 17 for Leatherwood. I'm like, oh all right. You know, uh Caramoa's on the board, their linebackers are, are abysmal. Yeah. And then second round, they get another shot at him and they draft more. So you know, again, medical issues, you know, I can't I can't speak for what where they had if they flagged or Lucy Caramoa or not, but uh, that's why the Raiders to me also were done. Yeah, I, 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 I do, I do get that. I just feel like they just needed to be just way better a job of kind of valuing the guy they have. I mean, those if they ended up with those guys and the, the orders was a little different, it wouldn't have been as bad. But where they got so many guys, <laughs> yeah, is that hilarious? It's just crazy. 
It's just to me, it's completely Rob, crazy. Rob hit the nail on the head with the Gettleman not trading down thing. I, again, I don't know how that, you know, in terms of what they ended up getting, you know, you can feel how you won about Tony in the overall draft, but just like knowing that Devontae Smith was available, like the Eagles made such a it was such a smart move trading up. Yeah, because of that same gap that you know we, I talked about when we talked about the, about Smith, but like they they saw like you know we need a receiver. And there is such a huge gap right now between uh, twelve and and that that pick twelve and that pick ten and where we're gonna end up being if we don't trade up. And they were yeah. willing to give up a couple third round picks or whatever, and and we're able to move up. The Giants, I mean, you accumulate you accumulate assets, but this is a team that needs. High in town, uh, they do, they do. I, I tough, yeah, the tough consolation prize. Yeah, it is, it is. I guess the only thing I should them bail on with Tony is, uh, I think Tony is the type of potential game breaking kind of player that they that they do need. He's not Devonte Smith, but once he wasn't on, and you, we could definitely argue that they should have made the move to move up, maybe just two spots, literally. Yeah, to get one Smith. spot. Yeah, yeah, one spot just to get him, but. I, what I will say is I think the recovery was smart because it was what he would have done in the past, but he would have just took Tony at whatever he was, you know, 12 or whatever, or, or 11. And it would have been like, yeah. what the hell? And, and, and or he would have did something else in panic. Like, to me, at least he didn't panic. Like, the Raiders panicked right. with what they did. Um, he didn't yeah. – pa- he, he was maybe asleep at the wheel, but I think he recovered pretty well once the whole thing went haywire. And then setting, I, and the I, bar, setting the bar low for a guy who probably makes like six million dollars. I know. I mean, I'm comparing. I'm comparing him to the Raiders and what they're doing. And I know that's again very low bar there. But considering where they've been, the Giants, maybe I gotta give him something for that. And I don't hate the player. So, so I, I gave the Giants a little bit of a break. I, I didn't mind what they did, considering how the board fell. You could argue the way the board fell was their fault, and that's a very fair point. But um, but I gave them I gave them points for that. But man, this was a, a, a really fun conversation, guys. I thought that uh, this was really great to break all this stuff down. Um, Rob, let the people know where they could find you uh, if you want to be found. Seven one eight three zero nine. You can text me if you need me. I'm here. Perfect. Perfect. Um, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Uh, again, you can catch all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on social media. We're on Twitter, at New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and on Facebook, New Generation Media. Um, you can find us all on social media. Shamari, who's a guest on the show. Thanks, Shamari, of course, for coming on as well. You can find him at uh, MCShan22 on snapchat and uh instagram you can find kendall on twitter at new gen 10 you can find me on twitter ej underscore stewart and on instagram action ej thank you guys so much for checking out this podcast hope it was a good one for kendall shamari rob i'm ej take it easy guys peace